welcome aboard the Battleship Retention. I'm Scott Nye. I'm Julie Sesnovich. And thank you for listening. Julie. Yes. What the hell's going on here? What is going on? Where are the adults? Where are the, the, the lunatics are running the asylum? It's truly out of control. It's Oscar night. They've just left it to the dogs. You know, they brought yeah. back Jimmy Kimmel as a host. But here in Battleship Retention, they just picked whoever was left over. Yeah. And here we are. Tyler, of course, is still in hospital recovering. He usually hosts these post-Oscar shows with Jason and Ian. Um, David has a great distaste for all things awards, I have to imagine. He's never wanted to do these shows. And so he looked to me and was like, am I going to have to do this? And I was like, eh, I do think I know somebody who cares about as much the Oscars as I do, if not more so. And she happens to live with me, so it's very convenient. So Julie is here to help out with the post-award show. I am. And I think in a way we are, we're seeing if the people can like handle what they demanded because we have inexplicably been a fan favorite duo on this podcast. And we're seeing if the audience can handle the pure uncut shit here. It's true. Apologies to those listeners who are not favorites of or of whom we are not their favorites. There you um, go. But I, I do know that there are several who asked directly in the Patreon mailbag episodes for us to be hosting a podcast of some kind. So you'll see what you're in for here. Yeah, careful what you wish for. Indeed. Yeah. Um, before we go any further, of course, I have to tell everyone, one, to support uh, Tyler's GoFundMe. Um, the link for which can be found at caringbridge.org slash Tyler and Jennifer Smith. Um, Wait, is, it, is the word visit in there somewhere? No. No? I'm sure if you Google these combinations yeah, okay. of words, you at the very least find the result. But I think I remember it well enough from listening to David repeat this every week. All right. I'm pretty sure it's caringbridge.org slash Tyler and Jennifer Smith. Um, the link to the GoFundMe is in there. And you can find ways to support them and get updates on Tyler's condition. Julie and I actually just visited him yesterday had a good long talk about the Oscars, about movies, about life and all that. He is indeed making recovery, but you know, this is still America. Recovery ain't cheap. So anything you can do to support him would be definitely much appreciated. On a more uh, immediate level, uh, I need to tell you about tweakedaudio.com, where you can go for professional quality earbuds in a variety of stylish styles and colorful colors. David uses them each and every day. Um, I did not use them today because on weekends I just sit home and spend some time with my goddamn wife. And here we are, well into the evening, still spending time together. No earbuds to be had. I did make her listen to the latest Sudan Archives album because we're going to their concert in a couple weeks. Her concert, I should say. You didn't make me like I, I was willing. <laughs> Our relationship is largely bent on coercion yes. and force. Yep. And it involves listening to great music most of the time. Yep. Um, but I, necessarily, since it was the two of us listening together, I'd not listen to those on uh, earbuds. I just feel the need. I always like David plugging some music, and I was like, here's a chance to plug some stuff I've been listening to. So Sudan Archives was on the rotation very recently in our household. Um, but that's all besides the point. Not going to do a top of the show topic today. It's late. It's 9 o'clock. Usually we record this at like 7 o'clock on a Thursday. It's a Sunday. It's a school night. we got a week to jump into. And we got a three and a half hour show to discuss. We do. But I did want to start off by just asking, just giving listeners, I guess, some background on our own Oscar histories, because we have not been on the show to directly talk about the Oscars. It's true. So what are some of your, you know, without giving away such private details as age, uh, that you should never ask a lady, but what are some of your favorite Oscar memories from growing up? Was the Oscars a formative experience for you? What, what kind of formed your attachment to the Academy Awards? That's a great question. I think it was kind of just like 
as a function of loving movies. Like, I don't really know which came first. It was kind of a chicken and egg thing. I just, like, remember watching it as a kid, and it was on, and we were watching it. Um, I think as I started to watch more of the nominees and become more invested, I became more invested in the show. Um, I, I don't really remember. I think I was just watching it by myself because I didn't really have, like, movie friends. But then by the time we got to college, I got to watch it with you and other friends, which was very fun. So Yeah, it was definitely, for me, hugely formative. And I think it was chicken and egg, very easy to tell. Oscars came first. I distinctly okay. remember watching, like, the year The English Patient won and Titanic won, neither of which I was allowed to see in theaters or would even have the necessary instinct to see in theaters. But um, my parents would watch them every year, and that became my instigator for getting into movies and, like, having an idea of what adult movies looked like. So, um, trying to think, the first year I would have seen the Best Picture winner would have been 2001, when A Beautiful Mind won. I was, of course, rooting for Fellowship of the Ring, big nerd. Um, it's a better movie, too. Let's not, like, paper it over entirely. But um, that really kicked off, like, a definitive, like, okay, gotta see all the Best Picture nomination nominees. Haven't always kept up with that. In fact, failed very quickly. I've still never seen Master and Commander of the Far Side of the World. Well, um, I know. It's heresy around the film Twitter parts. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that always became like a guiding light for what you see every year. I remember seeing the hours on the day of the Oscars because it was still the big nominee. Oh, we cramming. We yeah. cramming. Um, and even like this year, like, you and I hadn't seen All Quiet on the Western Front uh, shortly after the nominees came out. We were like, okay, I guess we got to see All Quiet on the Western Front. So yeah. in some ways, the Oscars still remains like the bellwether for what mainstream adult cinema is. Um, and I just really enjoy watching the show every year. It's fun to spend three and a half hours invested in celebrating movies. And even if that sometimes gets ugly and weird and grotesque, um, it's still just an interesting checking in point with where we're all feeling about things. Absolutely. And do you, did you want to touch on our, our little our little cute I mean, story it here? Like we're going to. I, if it doesn't embarrass you too much. No, I, I okay. can never be embarrassed by joining my life with you. Uh, good save. Okay, so um, we actually um, got together on Oscar night in 22, wait, 20, oh my 2008. God, 2008 is the year. Back, um, you know, in the 2000s part, we're still referring as 2000, not 2008. Yep. That's like an old prospector. That's, okay, fair enough. But um, basically, so we were in college in Boston, and, you know, obviously, as people in the East, Eastern time zone know, like, it airs a lot later there. So, like, the show is over very late at night. Um, when you live in Boston and the train stops running at what? Like, a, like midnight, I think. I think around midnight. I know around midnight. A, an option for you to make it, but it wasn't going to be easy. Yeah. So, basically, kind of like the flirtation had been building for a while. Like, things were kind of happening. But, basically, I came over to watch the Oscars. We were very excited. Fun night. And then... I could have made the last train, and I was kind of like, oh no, I can't, I can't make it. And then I spent the night, and the rest is history. So it's like, the Oscars are very near and dear to us for that reason. I think we've watched it together every year since. Oh, of course, it wouldn't miss yeah. it for anything. Um, yep. We've frequently made travel plans around there. Um, last weekend I was up in Portland visiting family and made travel plans around not being away for the Oscars, because it's very important can't to be do home, it. seeing that with Julie. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know where you want to start with things. You have a much more structured layout as per usual. As per usual. Um, yeah, I would love to just get like like an overall vibe check. Like what were the vibe, like how, just first impressions. What are the vibes? My first impressions were very strong. Yeah. I think um, after last year's show, which like centered, a lot of the discussion centered around the slap. The it slap did. was like a, a way of condensing an entire evening that was off kilter. Yeah. It was all feeling too rushed. They were doing half the categories or a third of them off yeah. air. And when they aired those, it just felt disjointed and weird. Mm -hmm. 
and my like big representation thing was that the stage was too low. We weren't looking up at the winners like we should be. Yep. Um, and it just kind of painted a whole idea of the evening as not celebrating the form. You know, there was a lot of jokes made at the expense of uh, how little people were watching them. I remember they did. You were asking during this show because they had a little museum segment. They did a museum segment last year, but it just wanted to like, walk around making fun of the museum. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what were we, what was the point of that show? Yeah. Um, so the entire design of it was bad, let alone uh, any unexpected violent altercations that happened. This felt more like a course correcting and reset. Yep. And very much like not being overly sentimental, I think, about the movies, but still appreciating what they're bringing to this to our society. I would agree. I think it definitely felt like a palate cleanser year because not only do we have the slap year before that, we had the pandemic year. Yeah. We had, they were in a fucking train station and half of the people were wearing masks and everything with the vibes were really weird. Um, so this was just like, we're get, it struck a really good bat. They had a very hard job. Yeah. Like they had a very sure. hard job and I feel like they pulled it off really well, but we can get into that in more detail. Um, like the true nerds we are, we, we put on the pre-show pretty early, honestly. I was surprised it was a pre-show to put on that early. There was a pre-show very early. So we're just like, I guess this is happening. So I just have some notes from the pre-show. Um, I was getting a little frustrated because the shots were too close. And I was like, let me see the whole outfit. Well, we should say what we're talking about here, which is really like the red carpet. Red um, car champagne carpet. Champagne carpet this year and usually this is the segment of the show that Tyler, Jason, Ian just skip on by but Julie and I are kind of fashion nerds and we really like especially some strong women's fashion. So or were, men's. Or men's, but most of our notes, I would say. Yeah, are I would also say when you say fashion nerds, it's not like we actually know no, 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 facts no. about fashion. We just have opinions. Yeah. We have opinions. So yeah, um, kind of the interview segment. I will say a non-fashion note. James Hong was on the red carpet. I think he is the winner of the red carpet. He was killing it. It was the best day of his life. Yeah. Just would, crushing it. Well, he was having fun and he had little googly eyes on his bow tie. He had little googly eyes on his bow tie in a nod to everything, everyone all at once, yeah. which is very fun. And he was doing kung fu pose on the car red yeah. carpet and he's what 94 years old yeah and he was like this is my first time at the oscars this is just great so that was very fun um fashion best dressed of the night for you oh gosh uh i think i gotta go there can be more than one i'm not trying sorry no i know I'm, I'm looking at my list i think i'm gonna go with ariana debose uh, okay with janelle monet as the only thing giving me kind of pause okay ariana debose was dressed in what i called kind of like spider woman chic um she had like kind of a spider webbed style. Uh, it wasn't a dress per se. I think it was like a pants suit. Or like, I think it was a dress. Really? Now I gotta look it up. Okay. Um, but uh, she's always very fashionable at the award shows. and Always in the two, what, two years she's been She's going? been to a shit ton of award shows. I guess though. so. I guess like, so. Okay. She was winning every freaking award last year. She was like the one everyone was agreeing on. There's always a supporting category that they want to just like lock it down. You're right. That's it, true. Was, it was a dress. It was a dress, yes. Um, there's always supporting other women locked down, and she was the one last year. So yeah, she's been to a few award shows. She yeah, okay, have a good fine. sense okay. of what she's bringing to it. And yeah, it's kind of this intricate spiderweb pattern with plunging neckline. We'd love to see it. Love it. Um, and yeah, Ariana, or Ariana, Janelle Monae always brings great fashion. You were calling it Halloween something. Ha okay, I said Halloween realness, but then I also realized later it was more of a coral than an orange. True. So maybe not quite Halloween. Anyway, yeah. it was great. Um, I also have to give it up. Malala. Malala looks stunning. This yeah. was divisive. I love a sequin. I was really into the sequins. It was a silver sequin thing with like an incorporated headscarf. Loved that. Angela Bassett, who has never done anything wrong, I think in her entire life, <laughs> in any arena, um, 
had this big purple, I love purple, this big purple ruffly thing that I was living for. Um, Thames, I didn't know who Thames was. I guess she was- strong presence. Strong presence. She was nominated for song for Black Panther. And she had like this white sculptural thing that went over her head, completely blocking the view of whoever was behind her. So apologies to whoever was behind Thames. Um, Who else? Um, Cara Delevingne, love that. Big red, big red situation. With a strong Um, leg presence. Okay. I'm getting to that in my trend report. (laughs) We're getting to the trend report. Um, So also, I don't want to shut out the men. Obviously, men's fashion maybe not quite as inherently exciting, but Samuel Jackson, we agree, was bringing it. Absolutely. He had this silver thing with the matching bow tie, like that. Also, surprise, um, Brendan Gleeson. I I was very into his situation. It was like a very textured blazer, sparkly bow tie. Oh, I skipped over Halle Berry, who had a stunning white cutout thing with like these giant copper roses um obviously please like google all of these if you have no idea what we're talking about we're just like not super great at describing them also mindy kaling in a shock move had the same dress in two different colors on the red carpet she wore a white one and then when she presented she wore a black one scott tried to gaslight me into thinking (laughs) that that didn't happen she shows she shows up and i'm like that dress was white and scott's like what are you talking about i'm like no proof and i googled it anyway so um that was that was a big move um Moving on to my trend report, right? Or do you have other I, fashion? I just have a couple oh, sure. individuals on the yeah. call. I also really liked uh, Monica Barbaro. She was uh, one of she was really one of the few actresses, few women in Top Gun Maverick. She's um, the Smurfette of Top Gun she's Maverick. She's the Smurfette of Top Gun Maverick. Um, she was definitely bringing it. Fan Bing Bing, similar kind of outfit yes. in terms of like the big side floofy deals. Big as side can, floofy as deals. You can tell, we're really technical in Very our, technical. our fashion report. Um, and then shout, shout out to Sarah Polly for wearing a suit. And yes. when asked about that by a clearly uncomfortable red carpet, inter- carpet interview, she said, I don't ever like to be cold and I always want my feet to feel comfortable. Yeah, that was iconic. Um, so yeah, I was noticing trends. So I have a trend report section. Hats for men. Hats for men are very big. Big hats. We had a and, big... Well, they were very big in that they were uh, common. Yes. Right? And they were very big in that they were very big. They were very big. Um, Todd Field... Very, very strong hat situation. Been very forward with the hat situation. Courtney B. Vance, very strong hat situation. I, think I missed his. Because once they receded, he took it off out of respect. Gentlemen. Um, or Angela made him. I don't know. <laughs> um, sparkles, sequins, a lot of sequins. You think more than usual? I think so. I think there was a very strong sequin okay. presence. Legs, legs were the coming legs in were hot. The high slit is back. We thought Angelina Jolie had cornered the market. She had not. We can all do a high leg. We can't all do. But a lot of people can do that. Um, Ukraine ribbons, noticing a lot sure, of those. Yeah. You know, a lot of interesting men doing weird things with their collars. Their f- Jonathan Majors had his flipped up and I just desperately wanted to flatten them. Um, someone else had it just buttoned with no tie and he looked like a priest. Yeah, a little bit of priest collar. And that didn't love that. Um, also, just a general word season trend, donkeys. We'll get to that in a minute. Um, donkeys are very hot right now. Um, and, I mean, we'll get into this more, and this is not a fashion trend per se, but saying it was a team effort is kind sure. of a big big trend of the, the evening. The last fashion trend is one we kind of remarked on generally, which is just very big dresses. Very big. Especially very big trains, and sometimes very unexpected trains, and that you'd start, this is getting into your issue mm-hmm. about the shot composition, is frequently the shots would start on them kind of waist up, and you'd be like, zoom out, we got to see the rest. 
because sometimes it'd look respectable, you know, waist up, but and have below, a twist ending at yeah, the bottom. Look, it completely fall apart. I don't think I saw the entirety of Michelle Yeoh's dress till she won. Yeah, like they were not giving me the framing I so desperately that needed. That was one of the easier ones to keep in frame. Yeah, Allison Williams, on the other hand, whole situation. Whole situation. Um, okay, so I think my next category, my next topic here is format slash design. If you have thoughts about like that, the show yes. Okay. Um, so there were a lot of things they were doing differently. A lot of them honestly worked for me. Some didn't. Um, they, in a break from tradition, they did not have like an onstage human introduce the best picture nominees. How did we feel about this? I felt like it was missing the human touch, as it were. Sure. I, I liked. It's always fun to see who they bring out for those. And yes. Like sometimes there's a direct relationship of like, oh, it's an actor that mm-hmm. the director worked with a lot, or that co. Or they're in the movie. Or they're in the movie. Yeah. You know, sometimes it's something very obvious, but sometimes it's a little sideways. You're like, yeah. oh. Well, they must have just had a real interest in this movie. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, I can see a case for both sides because it's like they never say anything super interesting. They're just like, this is a story about family. And you're like, okay. But like, I I see your point too. Yeah, but you always like, I I always wonder about like the quiet little psychology behind the show structure. Mm -hmm. And well, it's also just an excuse to get more famous people out there, which is part of the reason we watch the Oscars, to see the stars paraded before us. And you can get a few more stars in there if you have an extra 10 presenters. Sure. Um, The, uh, there were lights in the seats that changed color very frequently. I dug it. I dug it. This was wild. And then they like, it it was starting to be like weird because they're like, I'm like, why is the Fableman's yellow? Because they changed the colors for every time there was a new Best Picture nominee. You think this is related to Tyler's color perception? Oh my god! <laughs> that there's someone who worked on the show who's like, the Fableman's feels very yellow to me. That's true. It could be. Um, so yeah, that was pretty cool. And they would have like this effect. They would like light up and yeah. look like they're moving. So I was into that. Um, they, I, this is a stupid pet peeve of mine. I don't like when they stand on the far side of the stage. I don't think anyone should stand on the far side of the stage. I don't, don't like it. it adds like a different kind of visual dynamic element as the evening goes on. Cause you, I don't know if you'd want everyone always at the very center of the stage for three and a half hours. I see your point, but when people are at the side, it feels like they're demote. They're like, this is not as important. If this was important, they'd be in the middle. Counterpoint, I would argue that it is not as important. Okay. Because they're not presenting categories from those spots. They're right. always presenting the awards from the center stage platform. True. The side ones are like to introduce a musical guest, and in those cases, they're like setting up behind them. Sure. It's to introduce, um, well, it's for Jimmy Kimmel to hop on and make some jokes from time to time. Sure. Um, maybe this is jumping ahead, but how do we feel about Jimmy Kimmel as a host? That is jumping ahead. Oh, I'm so sorry I've set the how <laughs> dare you? intricate structure of this document. Have you something. even met me? Like, I, the disrespect is unbelievable. Oh, God. Um... <laughs> Who else was from the side? Well, the immemorium segment introduced from the side. Sure, that's pretty common. Yeah, yeah. I feel like it sets aside, it sets apart the category, the presenters for the awards as like a distinct purpose that they're walking. Out okay, for. you've convinced me. I'm into it. Um, yeah, I liked the the stage design. They kind of they had more going on on the stage. Like I liked how they showed they had the giant screen and they showed clips of past winners for each category. That was cool. Dug that. They also had these uh, screens that would have the winners' names up there, and it looked like a theater marquee. Yeah. That was fun. Um, I also, for some of the crafts categories, they would like pull up a screen and have all these props. Very cool. Yeah. You got to see like the actual costumes for the costume category. Um, there was like a cool like editing tableau where they yeah. had like an old timey, you like a difference with Dormand and uh, Hale Caesar yeah. <laughs> turning away and look at the film strips and then like someone on the computer on the other side. I was trying to remember the other categories that did that with. 
Um, I feel like, well, cinematography, they did haul out a giant camera. Yeah, but that wasn't in the back. That was not in the back. There was something else. That production was. design, maybe? Yes. Production design, I feel like, was in the back. Yeah. Um, so that was fun. Just, like, use the stage. Like, you have this giant stage. Like, do something with it, you know? Um, what else do we do? Um, yeah, I feel like In Memoriam is always can be dicey. I feel like it had pretty good flow. Yeah, I actually thought, like, Lenny Kravitz was quite good yeah usually i feel like whoever they haul out to do the song is like a little too intense no because i think he was like a little intense about it but i think jacked up (laughs) what would that be up temp like high energy well they did like last year was it they did um spirit in the sky which was like yeah oh yeah very wrong but like sometimes it'll be like someone who's trying to i think sing very this set makes it sound gendered, which I don't mean to be, but very like prettily, and to have it right. like, a little more ornate. Lenny Kravitz has like a certain like kind of roughness to his voice, maybe, sure. with age, mm-hmm. that like gives it a little bit more earthiness and a little bit more humanity to something that we're all mourning the loss of. I mm-hmm. did not care for the scan the QR code at the end to see all the rest of the people who died yeah. last year. I mean, I, I the more I'm saying that they keep cutting shorter and shorter every year. Yeah. You know. I always miss the thing that they did when we were growing up of like they'd come across one of the the big ones who died and they'd show like a clip from one of their movies and it wouldn't be long it'd be like a two second thing of them like they had a few of those but they had the clips but not them like delivering a line oh like, sure you didn't actually yeah. not a whole scene but you'd get like a moment to come mm-hmm. to life and they did let in a little bit of applause. I don't know if you caught that, which I feel like they. I did. This is a pet peeve of mine. I think you're you should. Against it? I think you should hold all applause to the end, and I do not think it should be a popularity contest in death. Oh, I mean, some people are just more liked than others. Like that's just keep life. it to your damn self. <laughs> this is not the time. But they're mirroring how we feel too. There's tons of names you see up there that you don't recognize, and you want like, and then there, you'll see some that you're like, oh right, they die. I'm really feeling that, and they, the applause kind of mirrors the, the depth of. The but what I like liked is they edited it in such a way that they were on they weren't on anybody for long enough that they could really build an applause and i'm like it's fair it's egalitarian i'm into it i'm sorry so you'd just rather have like a list of names no i would not how dare you so scrolling credits of who died i think just keep it moving and just if you applaud you're scored out of the theater i'm just saying by the crisis team um what else oh i don't so they dabbled with this at the pandemic oscars hated it then still hate it do not explain winners' backstories in voiceover. Okay. Absolutely do not do that because, I mean, I don't know if the winners know that's happening. But I think, so I think they hear the same announcements that we hear. Okay. Well, still, if they're but just they're, like... they're distracted by applause. They're probably not listening to that. It's still just like dumb because it's like, I mean, okay, if it's like a famous person winning, you're like, okay, we know their freaking yeah, deal. Yeah. But if it's like some random sound editor you don't know, they try to add color by being like, the first movie he ever saw in a theater was this, and he saw it with his dad and inspired him. It's like, let that come out of that guy's mouth. Sure. Because then he gets up there and it's like, they stole his bit. I think probably they did that to try to cut the speeches shorter. They would probably ask the nominees for like, what's an interesting fact that you might share from the stage? True. That um, we could just get out of the way for you. That wouldn't take away from your speech. Because most of them were kind of, like, kind of anodyne facts. They weren't like yeah. real deep shit. Still hate it though. Still but prefer it to come out of their it's, mouths. It's better than, do you remember that thing they did a couple of years ago where they had like the thank you scroll? That was bad. That was the worst. Mm-hmm. And so this feels like a way to, accomplish what they're trying to do, which is cut down the time that people spend talking, mm-hmm. but in a slightly more productive way. And again, like, I didn't feel like what they were sharing was like anything too 
heavy where like take away from the emotion of the speech sure but just kind of interesting stuff about nominees. yeah i like how i like this pattern of i come in hot with something i can't stand and you like convince me that it's okay pretty much um i also was noticing and this is kind of always an issue but like if you have more than one person on stage who just won and more than one person wants to talk you have to do an indiana jones style yeah. artifact swap and get in there fast if you don't want to get played off some people understood this some people did not this is you know this is just what happens when you win an oscar without watching the oscars obsessively is yeah like you and i just instinctively know this so like if you and i went up there god forbid we could ever <laughs> put on the national stage but if we did, we, we would know this. and we would You got to like, map out your strategy in advance. Well, you got to do, um, actually, oh, who, what are those faces? That, like famous songwriters who won all those Frozen Awards, who did like the Frozen songs. They're a husband and wife duo. Oh, Lopez. Yeah. Kristen Robert, and Robert Lopez. Anyway. Something like that. Yeah. Um, they really had that down because they were yeah. like doing that thing where like trading off lines. Mm, even. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you, you know, even if you don't have the foresight to choreograph it, yeah, you do need to know that any space you give them, especially the craft categories, they're gonna take advantage of that and start playing off. Yeah, I will say, I think it was um, a song winner because it was the two guys. One guy did most of the topic, talking. Another guy got in, I'm like, oh, they're gonna play him off. And he just went, namaste, and ran off. And yeah. I'm like, okay, you, you said your piece, my yeah, dude. Yeah, that was for not to, not to. Um, spoiler alert, but yeah. Um, <laughs> I know. Um, Everybody's watched the show. I know. Nobody's listening to this being like, what happened to the I know. Um, Also for the acting category, so they did a few things a little differently. They bundled, um, like, actor and actress for lead and supporting how do we feel about that um like they had the same presenters do right both. yeah i think it's a good time-saving measure um even if like i'm really lost at where they're saving all this time because it feels like they keep cutting things out of the show and they still are just as long maybe the commercial breaks are getting longer maybe um but i don't know i, I think on the whole i didn't care for it you didn't yeah i think I'm okay shifting to not caring for it okay because it creates less of a ceremony around each acting winner. Okay, I can see that. Um, they also, I do love... Wait, do you have a perception of this okay, question? That you okay, okay. I, I think I liked it, but I'm not sure. Okay. I think it would feel less weird if they were allowed to have last year's acting winner. Well, sure. And it was like a full set, yeah. you know? Um, but then you kind of get like... You get to have these nice, because like for supporting actor, it was Ariana DeBose and Troy Kotzer, and they got to be really emotional together. And like, yeah, that was fun. That was very sweet. That was nice. Um, also, I do love an acting clip. I love when we show the acting clips. This year, mm, mixed feelings, because what they did is they sort of had that, but they kind of made it a montage. Like they'd be playing the audio of one scene and kind of cutting in other stuff. Yeah. And part of me is like, let them just like do the acting. Yeah. Um, because my other big thing is like there is a correct clip for every nominee of course um and it's like maybe they were covering their tracks they're like if we're picking the wrong clip we just cut it up no one will notice julie says much will notice <laughs> yeah um the clips are always i mean i'm glad they have anything the worst years are when they have absolute nothing to show horrible um, horrible so at least they had something but yeah i i'm with you i do prefer when they have the full not a full scene, but like a full moment of acting with them. And it's the pace that the movie sets it at. You get a real demonstration of what they're doing in the movie. Yeah. So, yeah, I think for the most part, format, design, like aesthetic, it was mostly working for me, I would say. Great. Yeah, same here. Um, So we see what your next category is. Okay, my next category is hosting. Okay, hang on. What's after that? Then just winners. Okay, performance is good. Because I didn't know if I should get 
uh, format, their performance is in with the format. No, heaven forbid. That's okay. its own category. Okay. I think you have enough categories then to cover my remaining notes on what I would normally slot under. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm like imposing structure on your chaotic brain. Heaven forbid. That's what the Oscars are always trying to do. That's what they're always trying to do. So yes. Is it okay with you if hosting is the next category? All right. Okay. Let's do it. All right. Take it away. If me start, you're suddenly throwing this category at Okay. Me. Oh my God. Okay. So I do think it was like a little cowardly to be like, so last year we had Amy Schumer, Regina Hall, and Wanda Sykes. Yeah. We were like, they were like, we need diversity. We need women. We'll get you know, one white woman and two black women clearly equal one white man. So we'll just cover our bases and hopefully that'll be fine. That show went south and they're like, oh my God, clearly that was a huge mistake. Let us retreat to the safety and comfort of a straight white man in the corporate Disney family. Not to not to play the white male card too hard here, but um, I think it's more retreating the safety of a tested, known and relatively well-liked host. So they and safe. <laughs> yeah. So they their options would be like him or Ellen DeGeneres. And for obvious reasons, it wasn't going to be Ellen DeGeneres. Yeah. She's not safe anymore. But I can't think of like anyone else who would do it. It's true. Because like Billy Crystal's not coming back to do it. No. He's done. He's done. Um, and who else has been like a successful host recently? You it's know? true. I get it. I get that they were kind of backed into a corner. It does just like it's a little bit of bullshit that they were just like, oh, God, we can't do that again. You know, but I get it. Yeah, I mean, most of the show was like definitely a reset year. And yeah. so they're going to, they'll take chances again, but it wasn't going to be this year. Yeah, I think Kimmel did pretty well. I think they, he, I think they understood you can't just like make fun of like people not seeing movies. Like right. that just is shitty and should never happen. Um, I think he chose like the right targets for the yeah, most part. I would say for the most part. I did. Uh, I, I was uncomfortable with his audience engagement segment, which I usually am for one reason or another. He had like the fun moment with Colin Farrell and the fun moment with Jessica Chastain. Less fun moment with Malala. Le like, okay, Malala, leave her out of the bits. I there's do not think like, Malala is a great candidate for bits. There's no bits that'll be appropriate for Do not Malala. have Cocaine Bear come after Malala. Yeah, that's, uh, no. You can have Cocaine Bear come after almost anyone else in that theater. Just about, yeah. Um, yeah, I did like the bit about Nicole Kidman being stuck in the AMC for three years yeah, or whatever. Um, oh, I also don't know if you caught, but in the audience engagement segment, for a second it looked like he was going to go up to... Nicole Kidman. Yeah. And then he like diverted Jessica Chastain. She was like, oh, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> um, he also made what we were all thinking. He made the Ozempic joke we were all thinking about. Yeah, yeah. Um, I thought in a weird way, I thought the way he handled, they had to talk about the slap. And yeah. I thought that went pretty well. I thought that went very well, like surprisingly yeah. so, because he turned it into a way to talk about the crisis team. And then he like, used like that as a springboard to be like and i got my own protection he, like pointed people in the audience who were all totally into it we're all totally into it and clearly and i think some of them were even in on the bit yeah um but it also just became a way to like go over the nominee or not nominees but other things that happened in movies this year like michael b jordan for creed and i can't remember who else i know spielberg was in there oh andrew garfield was in yeah who like that's has to be a meme now the face great, he yeah, made when reaction. he was spotlighted for that but it was a great way to like remind people of all the famous people who were in the audience who some of whom were presenters some of whom were nominees some of whom weren't that involved yeah who were like part of the movie community and it made it fun it yeah. turned like a fucked up thing into like a fun thing because he's like i got my own team and you cut to like michelle yo like doing punches and it's like okay we're having fun now yeah. this is fun 
Um, I did like that. Um, also, you know, he it was like pretty safe for the most part, but the Robert Blake joke was very I dark. Really like that. For those who don't remember what we're talking about, he's basically at one point he's like, "So we're going to do an audience participation poll to see if we should include Robert Blake in the in memoriam." Yeah. Quite good. Yeah, I was into that. Um, yeah, you want to talk about some winners? You know, people did win awards. People did win awards. Um, so this, I wrote it down in uh, chronological order. Well, but the first thing we should say is that they brought back airing every category. Which is a must. Yeah, it's a must for multiple reasons. And I think if you were following this night on Twitter, which I only was loosely, um, the reasons become very obvious, which is that it creates more tension around who's going to win. There mm-hmm. became a strong portion, like, at towards the beginning, where it's like, oh, shit, is all quiet going to take this whole thing? Mm-hmm. Is winning, like, all these awards that people didn't expect it to? And those are the, exactly the awards that would have been chunked off in the pre-show segment and sprinkled that throughout the show and wouldn't build the same kind of, like, tension and momentum. Um, so whatever you lose in, like, extra time being taken, you gain having a more active show that, like, we're participating at the same pace that the audience is participating in. Yeah, and it's not even just tension and suspense. Like, as we'll get into, there are random winners that are people you've never heard of that have delightful moments, that have Absolutely. funny moments yeah. or weird moments. Like, just you never know what's going to happen. Live TV, baby. <laughs> um, so the first, I think the first award of the night was um, Kihei, oh my god, Kihei Kwan. Winning was no, that? they Wait, had an animated what? feature before that. That's right, it was anime feature. Okay, my bad. Sorry to Guillermo del Toro. Um, so yeah, that was great. Love Pinocchio. Yeah, um, that was like probably the most expected. I don't know about the most expected, but one of the more expected. It was up there. Of the night. Um, and you know, I, I think ever, there was a feature today that came out today or yesterday in Vulture talking to people in the animation branch about how they feel like animated films are like kind of ghetto wise mm-hmm. having mixed feelings about there being a special award for yeah. animated film because it's like well this is your award so you don't have to win the really big awards and like we know you're not really competing for those so we'll throw you a bone um, but I think films like Pinocchio are ways to start chipping away at that and like it took you know I'd say decades for the academy to start growing into a place where it could award like artistically significant works that weren't being pushed by studios as artistically significant works. Yeah, and I also I did read that article. It was very good. And yeah. they talked about how the award's kind of pointless when, like, Disney's just going to win it every time. But then sometimes they don't. Yeah. And, so and that's, that's cool. Yeah, and so that's, like, the kind of long-term progress that the award will pres- provide. Mm-hmm. It's just not going to happen within the first 20 years of it taking place. Yeah. I mean, Pinocchio is a dark parable about fascism. Like, yeah. And, like, weird things happen in it. And I'm like, that's cool. It is still super surreal to me to see uh, Kim Morgan to show up at award shows now because not only was she famous in like film blog circles before marrying Guillermo Toro and co-writing with him but she was a local film critic in Portland and I used to hear her on AM radio talk about like the weekly releases and now she's like uh, a life or life partner and creative partner with Guillermo Toro it's super surreal yeah for sure um, yeah I yeah, lo- much love to Pinocchio. Yeah. Um, so so then we can talk about Kihei Kwan. I mean, you, you have this very structured notes, which I told had every category. I didn't now, say I didn't say it was every. I said they were chronological. Now I'm doubting your journalistic integrity. Oh my god, stop. Um, so anyway, Kihei Kwan won, and the world rejoiced, and with good reason. 
Yeah. Um, one of the, more, again, more expected awards of the night. But but it didn't make it any less great? No, of course not. Um, I think this was, the entire world was in complete lockstep on this. <laughs> they were just like, he's great in this movie. He's a lovely human. Let's give him this Oscar. And I was sobbing so hard. I, I The world was sobbing. But it was just like, and it's not even like he said anything unexpected. It's like, he said the things we kind of all knew he was going to say, but ooh, baby, he meant it. Yeah. It came from the heart. Um, someone pointed out in the past couple of award shows that, like, as earnest as he can come across, he very much knew what he was doing this award season. It was playing a certain game. But I, I did feel more than in his past speeches. And I hadn't watched all the award shows, but I kind of tried to keep up with the speeches. I felt it more, I felt more earnest emotion here that, like, and actually this is something that Sarah Polly talked about on the, the champagne carpet. She was like, I started to realize in the process of campaigning that when people go up there and cry, you know, the work we did was sometimes a year or two ago, and I know everything everywhere was filmed like two years ago at this point. Probably. Um, so they're not, sometimes they're not emoting because of that. Sometimes you're just emoting because of the the agony and stress of award season yeah. <laughs> and reaching the end of that. And so I felt like he was kind of having his big moment of uh, cycle of campaigning. But it's also like, what a comeback story. Of course. Yeah, like no he doubt. was just like, living a normal like just he was a guy like yeah. he was just living his normal life but yeah i was sobbing it was great um he looks like an asian version of my stepdad and that's really neither here nor there but that was great um and then because they bundled s the supporting wins we cut immediately to jamie lee curtis winning yeah this category was very tight this category I no know. one knew it was going to happen i felt like it almost could have gone i can't remember everyone who was nominated but i feel like it could have gone to anyone not quite anyone but i think it was jamie lee curtis um Carrie Condon and Angela Bassett were kind of the main ones that and were. Then, uh, Stephanie Sue was nominated. Who else? Man, I don't know. Ah, shit. It's a million years ago. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that I don't. I don't. Oh, Hong Chow. Hong Chow. Okay, we got there. So like, I don't know that I love this win. Yeah, to me it wasn't like I'm not too pro everything ever all once, and it wasn't the stronger supporting female performance it was not within there it was not. um but she did give a good speech so that was what i was gonna say this speech she this award season i think she has been and i don't want to say it's like calculated i think it is genuine i think yeah. she's just thrilled to be there and this is what i was talking about is like the big trend of the night is like this is a group effort right and she i think her speech spelled that out maybe more than anyone's um she her whole speech was like we won an oscar so she's like to the whole cast and crew of this movie we won an oscar to my family we won to my team like and that was something that i don't know you don't always get that at awards shows like spelling it out that explicitly um, and then she said, I mean, obviously her parents are famous. She has famous parents, Tony Lee Curtis and wait, what? No, Tony Curtis and Janet Lee. <laughs> I'm making up people, Tony Curtis and Janet Lee. And she's like, they were both nominated for an Oscar. They never won. And now we won. And yeah. it's like, that was very powerful and beautiful. And it's just like, I love that sentiment, you yeah. know? And she also called out to the audiences that have been watching her for decades, specifically yeah. around genre movies, which actually gets to like a larger thing I wanted to talk about with the Oscars, not only this year, but in the past couple of years, um, genre movies are just kind of in now. Like yeah. there's, you know, when I was growing up, there was this perception that the Oscars would never recognize genre movies and there's a permanent bias against them. I, I still think that's true in some ways of horror movies, which is unfortunate because that's where a lot of the most artistically significant mainstream filmmaking is happening. 
Um, I mean, if nothing else, not everyone's going to watch them because they're too scary. That's very true. Um, but nevertheless, I, I think that wall has kind of broken down. And like the fact that Parasite won a couple years ago, mm-hmm. Shape of Water a couple years before that, uh, Everything Everywhere being the big champion tonight. Um, I, I think we've just like broken that mold. Well, part of that was how much they've changed the mate, like the membership of, of the course, academy. Yeah, it skews sure. more international, it skews more diverse, it skews younger. And so all the people who were sitting on the sidelines before being like, hey, vote for genre movies. Now they're in the academy voting yeah, for genre movies. So that is very cool. And yeah, her speech was fantastic. Um, Let's see what else. Um, documentary, Navalny won. Um, I haven't seen that. Um, Nor have I. But they had um, Navalny's wife on stage, and yeah. she like spoke to him directly. He's currently in solitary confinement, and I thought that was really powerful and intense. Um, then this is, okay, this is a great example of kind of the random magic you get when you show every category. Yes. They had best live action short. So good. I had never heard of any of these, no. sorry to these shorts, but like, <laughs> um, so, the winner, I don't even remember the name. Was it, I think, The An Irish, Irish Goodbye? Goodbye. Yeah. An Irish Goodbye or The? I have it noted as An Irish Anne. Goodbye. An, okay. So they, like, go up on stage. They bring a guy in a leopard print blazer. Who I think was one of the actors in the movie. By context clues, yes. Um, and they were just, they're like, thanks to everybody. Okay, it's his birthday. Yeah. And then they just got the whole audience to sing happy birthday to him. And it's so like, great. what a great use of an Oscar podium. Yeah. Like, it's just like... We had never heard of any of these people, and then it was delightful. He was having a great day. Like, just a win for everybody. And it's like, last year, we wouldn't have had that moment. I, I think they, that's the kind of moment they might have cut into the show, but it wouldn't have felt as spontaneous. And as it wouldn't have, like, made sense, even. Yeah. 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 Um, so that was great. And that's why that's why you air all the categories. Absolutely. Um, then we had, uh, yeah, so makeup and hairstyling. Well, next oh, I have sorry. cinematography, which was the first win for True. All Quiet on the Western Front. And which, uh, I mean, we kind of did our own like household predictions. Just, you know, I won, no big deal. Um, not by much. You know, it's not really by how much. It's just, you know, one wins or one doesn't. Okay. Know, from mm-hmm. my perspective. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Sure, okay. Um, and so this was where like the night started to turn. It, neither of us expected uh, All Quiet Twin Cinematography. Um, I didn't see it very widely predicted, but again, I hadn't been researching too much, so listeners might feel, feel differently about that. But this to me is where like we started to be like, okay, maybe there's more interest around All Quiet than we expected. And uh, it, I predicted Elvis here, and Elvis ended up getting shut out entirely, which I never would have expected. Which is crazy. Yeah. And I will say, I do. I love All Quiet on the Western Front. It had great cinematography. But, oh, baby, we were so close to our first female cinematography I winner. Know. And that stings. Yeah, and that's that's a branch, that, or a field, rather, that has uh, kind of only recently had a lot of women invested in it and really yeah. participating in it. It was always such a male, like, techie bro kind of field um so you know it'll happen eventually and to me there's a lot of interesting female cinematographers out there and one of them is bound to win eventually but um but we were so close tonight it would have been and it's not like Elvis is a poorly shot movie no. it would have just been like a token prize no that's a great looking movie so. like that was i think the predicted front runner yeah um so yeah some mixed feelings around that i did but, really like his speech though um yeah. this guy james friend who has a very delightful name yeah he he i thought he had a great speech mm-hmm um, yeah, so then on to makeup and hairstyling. We were like, okay, the Oscars love a fat suit. This year, so many fat so suits. So many fat suits. So many fat suits. You couldn't run away from them. There was, I mean, 
The winner ended up being the whale, the fattest of the fat suits. <laughs> the fattest of suits. The fattest of suits. Um, I I don't love this. I don't love just the kind of the fats, like the industrial fat suit complex that has like sprung up. Around. Big fat. Big fat. Like they're, you know. I am not the first person to talk about this, but it's like there are people who are just larger and it's like instead of giving Oscars for putting skinny people in fat suits, you could just cast larger people, you know? Yeah, and that's, I think, part of why I would have preferred to see like an Elvis win or um, whoever the hell the other nominees were. We're like, yeah, there was a fat suit in Elvis, but there was also other good makeup and hairstyling going on, you know? I mean, that I think the makeup and hairstyling is a big component of what sells Austin Butler as Elvis. Yeah. Also, the thing I loved about the makeup in Elvis is that he is sweaty that whole movie. <laughs> yeah. That is makeup. Like, they didn't just, like, turn up the thermostat. Yeah. Like, you have to do, like, specific to things yeah. to their skin to make that happen. It's like... <laughs> you can't just, uh, you know, suffocate the actor for Exactly. Two hours so it's like, yeah, you have things like that. So it's like that one, it's just like, okay, yeah. Big, big fat wins again, you know? Yeah. Um, and I, I would say that's one where it's, it's tough to separate the prosthetics from the CGI. And I think mm -hmm. even watching it, I felt like the CGI was encroaching maybe too much. Mm -hmm. um, Increasingly, that's a problem in this category, though. Because, I mean, you look sure. at, like, Black Panther Wakanda Forever, probably a similar issue in some cases. You think for makeup? I guess you're probably right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Mixed bag. Yeah. Um, and then on to costume design, we had Ruth Carter win for a Black Panther movie again. Yeah. I meant to look up because we were talking about whether or not that had happened before, where a franchise had won... Um, with the same designer. Yeah, with the same designer. Um, but this, she is the first black woman to win two Oscars. Just is, period. Yeah, which is very cool. Um, that is very and cool. I really liked her speech as well. Yeah, she was just like, my mother died this week yeah. and she was 101. And we're like, wait, oh my God, what? Um, I will say it's like, I think this category was very strong. This was like a five for five, yeah. like all killer, no filler category. Um, if we're nitpicking, I'd maybe, because it's not like, you know, she did already win for this franchise and it's like, it'd be maybe nice to see something else, but it's like, and the other thing that frustrates me a little bit is because like, you know, her work in these movies is great, but because these movies are so CGI'd, it's honestly can be hard to tell like what is costume and what is CG. Um, it's the same problem as the whale. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's, it's, but then like we went, we actually did go to the Academy Museum at one point yeah. and they had some Black Panther costumes there. And I'm like, oh, this actually looks way better in real life that's than in the movie. Part, yeah. And that's weird. That's not her fault. She's absolutely innocent in that. But it's like, why did the movie make this look shitty? Like you did Ruth Carter dirty, you know? Yeah. Just with all the CGI nonsense. So, you know, we love her, but it's, you know, in this kind of CG ecosystem, it can be a little weird. So your pick in this category, maybe an Elvis? What, my prediction? Uh, or? No, your preference. You're, you're saying that she was maybe not your preference here. So what, what would you? I mean, her? we are a big Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris household. Yes, we, we were stumping for that. The designs in that were gorgeous. I also, Babylon, I was manifesting a Babylon win. It did not happen. God willing. Um, what, what was your, your? I think I would probably pick Babylon as well. Yeah. Um, you just get so many. You got so many things going yeah. on. Big cast too. A lot of people. The costume. A lot of people. The costume. I mean, not that Black Panther doesn't have a lot of people. Uh, I would venture to say it has fewer. The um, 
the cast list of credited and uncredited people on Babylon is like 270 or something. I don't really think they're, because it's like so many, there's so many CGI people in Wakanda forever. Oh, you raise an interesting point. Okay, okay. Um, and then we had, if you have no further thoughts on that matter. Uh, you know, we, we said we we're kind of like fashion nerds at the top. But I, I, I definitely would have more thoughts on, on cost design, but we can move along. No, go ahead. No, I, I would have to look at the category and figure out oh, the okay. other <laughs> Um So then we had another, what I thought was delightful speech. Um, the winner for animated short was British. So he comes out and he's like, thank you so much for this award, but I'm actually British, so I'm much more comfortable saying sorry than thank you. Yeah. So then he was like, sorry to all the people I beat yeah. and sorry to my family that I let, but like he was British, so it worked. I yeah. think only a British person could have pulled that off. Um, and that was, it was delightful. It was very British and delightful. Yeah. Um, oh, we had another all quiet win in between those two points. Um, probably for production we? design. Oh, that, I had that as after, but. Oh, you're right. Shoot, what other award did all quiet win? I just have a note in here that says all quiet. I have no idea what it's for. Well, maybe it's this production design win. No, there's one in oh. between Ruth Carter and uh, the uh, short animated film. I don't know, keep better notes or something. I guess so. Or like bring it up. I don't know. I wasn't going to talk about every single winner, just the ones I had things to say about. Yeah, well, fair enough. Okay. Well, clearly I didn't, because I didn't even know what category it was. Okay. Anyway, All Quiet on the Western Front yeah. wins for production design. That was a bit Oh, I of... think it was a foreign film win. Oh, yeah, which was very expected. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah having uh, Antonio Banderas and Salma Hayek present together, very sexy. We love it. Very sexy. Very sexy. I feel like they've maybe even tried out that exact same combo before. It's a strong combo. It's a strong combo. It's a Puss in Boots combo. <laughs> Did you like her dress? I did like her dress. It was well. very sparkly. Yeah. Salma Hayek has figured out her fashion corner of the world and she sticks with it and she never misses. Sure. You're not wrong. She's, yeah. Um, so yeah, All Quiet on the Western Front, building steam here, production design. That was a bit surprising for me because it's like yeah. trenches and ugly shit and trains. I mean, it's, it's, it's good. well done. Yeah. It is good. But I, I think it's just our taste that we probably would prefer, prefer to buy Babylon here or maybe an Elvis. Sure. Um, something a little bit more gaudy and ostentatious and spectacular than like really well done trenches. Sure. Um, but yeah, this is like, like I said, it just felt like it was kind of gaining steam and gaining steam. And then it won the next award for score as well. Yeah, for those big Hans Zimmer bumps. Yeah. I mean, it has a very insistent score. Again, I think we were more Babylon favored here. Absolute Babylon house. We jammed at that soundtrack all the time. But yeah. like Justin Hurwitz does have his Oscar. It's true. So if we're spreading the love around, I get it. It's also like, yeah, Justin Hurwitz is doing some wild shit with that yeah. score. Um, so. And just a stronger theme than, yeah. the, than the Inception bumps. Yeah. But I mean, Hans Zimmer won for those bumps, didn't he? I was trying to remember because we said that after uh, this category, I, I couldn't say for sure. And now Julie is presently looking it up, so I will just vamp. Um, but the uh, yeah, so the Babylon score I think has a, a more dynamic theme that they do a little bit more with, whereas the theme for All Quiet just kind of keeps coming in. You're looking at the soundtrack. That's not oh my god, play. no, I know, the but soundtrack like didn't win this is not what I. Oh my god, stop, keep vamping. No, now I'm criticizing your googling skills. Oh my god. Okay, I'm going to the awards and honor list of awards and nominations received by Hans Zimmer. Okay, well, this is still a very backwards way of going through it because you don't know that. He did not win for Inception. He did not. So, yeah, man, he went a while because it went. It was The Lion King, and then not again until Dune. Dang. Dang. Okay. 
So is Hans Zimmer sitting there like these bombs are winning and mine aren't? Well, what did win that year? 2011 Oscars. Do a little control F for uh, best score. Are you telling me how to control F? Social network, that is that's, well, that's, that's strong. That's, that's strong. Much stronger score than Inception. Okay, anyway, we've gotten really off topic. Um, so yeah, after that, um, adapted screenplay? I have, uh, I have VFX next? next, which oh, VFX, Avatar yeah. won expectedly. Expectedly. Uh, and deservedly. I mean, it, the damn good VFX. I mean, it does, like, toast, test the line of, like, what is VFX and what is just animation. Like, yeah. in the ballots I submitted to this year, I put down Avatar as one of the best animated films of this year. It's, like, it's as animated as Marcel the Shell, for sure, if not more so. There are live-action components to it but it's more animated than it is live action. Yeah, there's some weird like animation delusion happening totally. like with, with the Lion King remake. Yeah. yeah, And they were like, here's our live action Lion King. And the Academy was like, yo zero, bitch, this is animated. Zero live action component to the Lion King movie. Yeah, they made it be animated, which I was like, good, put them in their place. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, but if you're going to view it as VFX, pretty, pretty strong VFX. Although seeing the reel from the Batman, I was reminded of how well integrated the VFX were in that movie of like, it never like crosses over into looking like a super realistic like Christopher Nolan style movie where like in a Nolan movie you can tell it's all done on camera. There's just a stylistic cohesion to that movie that I feel like is a little underrated. Okay. Um, and then we're on to adapted screenplay. Um, so Sarah Polly won. Now here's my thing. I did not like the movie Women Talking at all. I disagreed with nearly every single creative decision made. <laughs> But I like that she won. I know, I'm in the same boat. Well, I just, I've, I've always, I've liked Sarah Polly for a long time. Yeah. Even before she started directing. And I've always, like, appreciated her movies up until now where I just really didn't like women talking. But I've always, like, appreciated, um, shit, what was the one she did with Julie Christie? Away From Her? Away From Her. It was, like, good, but didn't quite completely land. And, like, same thing with, like, Take This Waltz. It was, like, okay, I like aspects of this. I don't feel like it's completely coming together. Women talking, I just feel like, was not working on any level. But yeah. I still, like... I just have such affection for Sarah Polly and her perspective on the business and her intelligence in talking about it. And the sometimes you can get a sense with some movies of like where someone's coming from when they're making it. And even if you're not totally appreciating the result, you're like, mm -hmm. I, I like the instinct to make it from this perspective. Yeah. And I always like, I feel that in her movies all the time. And I just, I hope she comes along and is able to like deliver at a certain point on that instinct. Yeah. But I really liked her speech. Yeah. Um, and uh, and her yeah. suit. She was nice and warm. Loved the suit. And I, 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 as with you, I liked that she won, even though she wouldn't have been my pick for the category. Because she also, like, you know, women talking did get nominated, but then there was also people talking about Till and the women, the yeah. woman king. And it's like, they were like, do we have the best female representation this year? Things were a little dodgy. So she was kind of carrying all of that weight herself. Yeah, and the fact that yeah, they didn't nominate women for best director. Which is unfair. It's yeah. like, that's not, but she did win and that's cool. But I think if anyone can carry that weight with a certain degree of like still having a sense of humor and like she like made the points that she needed to make, but it, it's not like her speech felt like heavy or luxury. Right. It felt like she was still like thrilled to win and so it felt like a celebration but she was still able to weave that into like a, making a point while she had the podium to do so. For sure. And then um, onto original screenplay, if you had no additional no, thoughts. Okay. So everything ever all at once. Yeah. This um, part, it started to pick steam again and like started to sure. get the ship back on where people expected the ship to run at the beginning of the night. 
Yeah, which I just wanna like, I mean, this makes total sense to me as an original screenplay winner. I think even if it hadn't had the picture heat, this would have made sense to me. Totally, yeah. Because this, this yeah. is like the kind of movie that won original screenplay when like we were growing up and like, I feel like there was always a perception in like the 90s to early 2000s where like original screenplay, that's where like the actual best picture winner was. Or that's like, where the weird things go. Yeah, because like the Pulp Fiction won that, The Lost in Translation won that, Just Donald Sunshine won that. They're like, it, pretty consistently original screenplay would go to like the more interesting youth oriented movie. But it's it's the one that's too kooky to win best picture right, exactly. is where it often be. So it's like, yeah, this makes total sense to me as a best picture winner. Um, original screenplay winner. What, well, spoiler alert, but yeah. yes. Um, so, so yeah, that that tracked. Um, I, you know, full disclosure, we would have mentioned it at some point. So we went to college with the Daniels, although I actually only learned today that Daniel Kwan was at our college at the same time. I did not know that. Um, but I was like friends with Daniel Shiner. And I'm not saying this to brag. I'm only saying it. Such a bragger. Oh my God, stop. I'm only saying it because he was a lovely person at the time yeah. and by all accounts still is. He was somebody that you know, I don't want to, it's so easy in retrospect to be like, that kid's going, but honestly, at the time, I was like, this is a very talented, unique, interesting person. Like, from the jump. Like, he formed some kind of, like, artist collective, like, in his freshman year, and I, like, went to a couple meetings and was like, I think these people are too intense for me. I love their energy. I honestly do not think I am creative or interesting enough to ride with these people. But, like, he was in my dorm. Like, I have photos of him just, like, running around the dorm, and it's just, like, I'm happy for his success because yeah. he is a lovely, creative person. Um, and apparently Dan and Quan was there too and I just never <laughs> met him. So good for yeah. both of them. We had several dorms. There were several and dorms. You pretty much knew the people in your dorm and maybe a couple of people in the other yeah. dorms. Um, Especially ours, which was like at the far end of like our loose campus that we kind yeah. of had surrounding Boston Common. And we, there was really like a clique that formed around that dorm. Right yeah. There. This is Emerson College, by the way, which did get a shout out in the telecast because that, that is where they met. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm happy for him. Um, so then I, we have um, so we'll we'll talk about the song performances later, but we do have the song winner. Or, well, before before that, we had Top Gun's only uh, Oscar. Oh, okay. Which I just wanted to note that like when Top Gun came out, you, and it, obviously I think the talk got it about as far as it could. Like people were really talking mm -hmm. up as like a an Oscar contender in a way that people weren't expecting before Top Gun came out because right. it was so successful. And people were really falling for it, and it was really getting repeat business. You know, it stayed, or it performed, I don't know if it stayed number one the whole time, but like it would kind of dip in and out of being number one all through the summer. It was in the top five for like yeah. five months. It's it was unbelievable. Like long standing success that the industry has lacked for a while. Yes. Um, so it, it, I'm glad that it got something. You know, it's not like I'm like a gigantic Top Gun fan. It wasn't mm -hmm. in my top 10 or even top 20. Um, I really liked it, and I'm. I'm glad for that it got as many nominations as it did. I think if it had like gone all the way and gotten like best picture, it'd be a little like, all right, come on. Guys. Yeah. But like sound, big sure. time deserved. Yeah. Sure. Why not? Um, yeah. And Tom Cruise wasn't there because he exactly. was filming. So they would just cut to Jennifer Connelly all the time. <laughs> and it's like, Jennifer Connelly got a lot of play. We're doing what we can here. Um, so then best song? I think so. Yeah. Not to, not to, one for best song. We knew this was going to happen. Yeah. And it's great because it's a banger. It is. I, I do. I will say that I thought the song performances on the whole were one of the stronger song lineups in general that we've had in a while. I, I feel like the only one that wasn't really working is the Diane Warren one, which is sad to say because she's always there performing the one that isn't really working. Yeah, the song category to me is very feast or famine. You either have like 
five unimpeachable hits or like just a sea of what is this? But then like some years you could just have like, I remember the year that uh, the Selma song won, it was one of two nominees. Yeah. <laughs> so it was the better of those two nominees. But yeah. Like, what does that say? But then you get years like, I want to say it was like 2016 maybe because you had, um, you had City of Stars. Yeah. You had uh, whatever the Moana song is. You had, um, there were like a bun. It was yeah. just somehow really stacked this random I, year. I kind of felt like this was one of those years i mean yeah aside from and even the diane warren song had the pleasure of uh the singer just saying 14 time academy award nominee diane warren and suddenly diane warren was there like hey, you're hey, cutting hey. ahead to the performances section oh my god i'm so sorry yeah i, I, I didn't realize i was upsetting the narrative here. once again all right yeah but yeah not too not too it's a banger first win in this category for India. I mean, the nation of India didn't win, but they, they were kind of positing it that way. Um, yeah. And only, at least uh, this year, I can't remember the, any other time this would have happened, that someone sang their acceptance speech. Yeah. This guy was just like, I grew up loving the Carpenters, yeah. and then just started singing a song about how we won. Yeah. And then the other guy just went, Namaste, and they ran off. Funny. And yeah, it's great. Um, what was after that? Were we on to acting? Uh, I got editing in there. Editing, that's right. Um, Everything Everywhere. Yeah. Um, which I, I think it was very expected because you're doing that many timeline hops. Yeah. Some choices, some strong choices have to be made. Yeah. And that guy was like, uh, this is my second movie. Thanks, guys. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, sure, why not? Um, and then acting? Uh, I got directing next. Oh, right. Okay. It's, it's the Daniels. Daniels. It's yeah. the Daniels for Everything Everywhere. Um, it started to be that thing that can be kind of fun to watch where like, if people just start winning over and over and they just start running out of things to say and yeah. then they just start getting a little wacky with it yeah I, well i think they are well suited to that i think like yeah. the years happening to the coens they're just like man I, I don't i don't know <laughs> like thanks great um and i feel like even gilman botro who's more like effusive guy kind of ran into that a little bit I, I do feel like they were kind of bringing something a little bit fresh each time yeah because i you could tell they maybe got into like they had their top line items. Yeah, That's yeah. like, okay, if we only win one thing, this is our top line items. And then you have maybe different tiers of things. It's like, oh, we, we got time for the, the cut for time bits. Yeah. All right, let's get, <laughs> let's do this. Let's do this. Um, so yeah, that's, I mean, we'll, well, I think we, we can maybe hold on our feelings on our true everything everywhere feelings till a little later maybe. Sure. Um, so yeah, they won. And then actor? Uh, yeah. So Brendan Fraser won, and this was, I think, a little bit of an upset. I think, but I mean, he won SAG, so it wasn't like wholly unexpected. He won SAG, but then like Austin Butler had BAFTA and Globe. Yeah, so there was a, a so like things, things were things happening. Were yeah, Butler. but yeah, I think by this point of the night, I just wasn't sure because Elvis had won nothing. So it's it true. Like, it felt like Elvis had much less goodwill than maybe you expected going into the night. So this icks me out because. Okay. So to be a stand. to be very very clear, I love Brendan Fraser. He seems like a lovely human being, and I wish him no harm. Okay, so, <laughs> I'm glad you're not wishing harm. No, I'm not wishing. But I'm just like he is like he's fine. We love him as a person, and I don't want people out in the world saying that Julie Sesvich does not support <laughs> Brendan Fraser. However, I hated this movie. I kind of hated his performance because really the whole premise of this movie to me was like, you guys, what if, hear me out, what if obese people were people too? And he, in order for him to like be in this movie, he had to kind of buy into that narrative. And I think his performance 
in this fat suit is a little bit of him going, guys, huge, huge. Did you know? Did you know? Fat people, they have feelings. And it's like, yes, I did know this. Did you guys not know this? And just the whole thing is just like so yucky. Um, I think we were talking about this recently, but like the uh, the advisors on the, there were some like kind of like obesity sensitivity advisors. Turns out they're just from a, a group of bariatric surgeons. Like it's just very, very ick. And some, there was a tweet that someone said earlier in the season. That's like, we're this season. We're like treating Brendan Fraser, like a make a wish kid at Disneyland. It's like, just, yeah, I know we had a hard life and this is a comeback story and everything, but it's like this movie icks me out. The performance kind of icks me out. So that's where I'm at. Here's what I like about Brendan Fraser. Okay. Besides just liking Brendan Fraser. Sure. Um, he was the rare... So he had been predicted to win this category since, like, the movie was announced practically. It's, like, one of those where, like, yeah. clearly it's a big Oscar play, and then, like, mm-hmm. the movie came out and people just kept predicting him. And usually with those, like, either someone else swoops in and becomes the new frontrunner, which Austin Butler seemed like maybe he was doing, or they just carry it all the way and they give a very gracious speech. He still seemed, like, kind of caught off guard by it. Mm-hmm. And still, like, kind of surprised and, like, shocked by it. And it's, like, it's rare to see that. And it like, kind of adds a nice texture to the evening of, like, even the people who are very emotional on stage, it sometimes feels like a culmination of what they had expected to happen. Mm-hmm. He still seemed, like, a little, like... In, I always like seeing the reaction cam on the nominees for sure. the acting awards. Because you always get, like, a big, like... You, you, that's where you really see like the real thing like Jamie Curtis great reaction yep. you could see her mouth shut up yeah. she won um, and, but sometimes you just see people kind of do the nod and then like get up and like yeah. this, this is the part where I give the speech so yeah. like, yeah. he seemed like taken aback that he actually had won um, but how did you feel about his actual performance I'm talking about the okay okay fine the All right. part of loving the Oscars yes. is divorcing yourself from your feelings about the movies Okay. and like I'm not a big Everything Everywhere fan but I loved all the speeches that everyone was yep. giving. And I liked the energy that movie was bringing to the sure. Oscars. Okay. And like, this is what I was saying at the top. I didn't like, know we were supposed to be agnostic here. No, I'm just, it's a different perspective. Okay. Um, and so like, there's a larger thing going on with an award show than like, who deserves to win or not. Sure. You, in fact, had said like, when the all quiet people were like trotting through, like, getting tired of all these boring German speeches. <laughs> and it's true. It's like, yeah. if everything everywhere had taken the top categories, it wouldn't have been as dynamic a show. Yeah. And so, like, even though I prefer All Quiet on the Western Front to Everything Everywhere, that made a more exciting winner. Even though it was the front runner, and even though I liked the movie less, yeah. the energy that those participants were bringing to their speeches, and that kind of movie winning big categories is more interesting as a show. It is. So. It is. I will say, Brendan Fraser, too many aquatic metaphors. He, I, but this is the other thing I like, is a big loopy, out there galaxy brain actor speech. Of sure. Like pure actor brain mode. Yeah. Of like, making all kinds of connections that nobody else is. Like, I think even like, and this was an actor obviously, but Spike Lee's speech was very all over the place. But like, what else would you want from Spike Lee? Well, yeah. Winning an award. It's like, he's all, his movies are a little scattered. Like, but I couldn't tell if he was like, trying to tie it back to like, actual whale metaphors. I think he was, but I, I think this is part of like, that he was a little caught off guard by it and a sure. little like, nervous in giving the speech. He didn't have like, a cleanly rehearsed thing he was giving. He had like, a series of loose ideas that he wanted to get out there. And that his actor brain was all combining, but he couldn't figure out a way to cohere. Sure. Um, and I like the pure rawness of that. That's, yeah. that's good Oscar stuff. And so even if I would have preferred, well, Colin Farrell would have given him a great speech too. So oh I, my God. I guess it's not like I can say, yeah. like, you know, 
if my preferred winner would have won, we would have suffered a little bit. We probably wouldn't have. Of that lineup, Farrell would be the best speech, I think. Uh, yeah, and would be my preferred winner anyway. Yeah. Um, so I can't really make that point, other than to say that I, I did like Fraser's speech. Okay. And then, since we have the tandem actor-actress win, then we're on to Best Actress, which is Michelle Yeoh. Yeah. Um, that was pretty expected, but yeah. still love to see it. Um, yeah. And her speech was also very good. Her speech was great. I mean, she said, because there is, so this is where I want to point out, I Googled it real quick. This is a true fact. All four acting winners over 50. Yeah. I don't know if that has ever happened. You can Google that yourself. I don't know. But the point is, it's like, Hollywood is obviously such a youth-focused industry, and it's like, that's great to see. That is very cool. Yeah. Um, they're all over 50. Two of them are Asian. Um, I think there was some weirdness, because they're like, is she the first Asian winner? And it's like, Merle Oberon was Asian, but didn't tell anybody, so we don't know if that counts. Well, the way they've been categorizing it is just like the first, like, either publicly Asian or out Asian actor, which yeah. is like a weird, weird way of phrasing yeah. it. But it's kind of true. Like, yeah. Marlon did like hide that part of her ancestry. But even if it, she didn't, second Asian winner ever, yeah. fine. That's still good. Yeah. Um, I mean, not no, good. That's it's not good. I said it's turning around. Yes. Um, but yeah, and it's like, she plays a like an immigrant mother laundromat owner who like does some kung fu. And honestly, the thing I really appreciate about that is that a lot of times the actress winner is either like, well, a real person, yeah. that's an easy shortcut to a win, um, a real person, someone like very lovable, yeah, or like a murderer, like the <laughs> worst, most criminal, heinous person you ever heard, but you know who doesn't normally win Best Actress is someone who plays someone who's just kind of prickly. Yeah. Because sure. people don't like women who are prickly. And I'm just like, I love that uh, someone who has worked in Hollywood for decades and has not got, well, all over the world for decades and not gotten the respect she deserves is winning this award for playing a prickly immigrant mother. I oh. love that. And all four acting winners as well are not people who had like the prestige career trajectory. Yeah. Where like they got into the movies and did all the right moves in order to eventually win an Oscar. Yeah. It's like kind of random and happenstance that they got the kind of roles and got those recognition for those roles that could win them an Oscar. Um, and Michelle Yeoh is a perfect example of that, where it's like, she did like kung fu movies for most of the start of her career. And like, you watch those early movies and you would not expect that to be future Oscar winner Michelle Yeoh. Um, yeah. And it's kind of the same with Brendan Fraser, you know, they made Encino Man jokes as, as you will when uh, he won, but like, you know, dude was doing Airheads in George of the Jungle. And yeah. Like, Dudley Do-Right. And um, certainly Ki Hu Kwan. Um, same deal where like he did like genre movies and then didn't act for a while and Jimmy Lee Curtis called it out and was like no I did genre movies for most of my career and I was going through her longer like surely she would have done other things that might have been I couldn't really find anything you know she's had a long career so maybe I was overlooking like something. other things that would have gotten her awards attention or just other things at all oh awards attention kind yeah, of yeah. stuff like mm -hmm. prestige kind of things like yeah. the precursors to an Oscar run yeah and um, it's just a different kind of energy especially for them to be all yeah older people who had not the kind of careers that would lead to an Oscar for them to all win is pretty cool. That is very cool, and yeah, taken in total, I love that. And I think I don't know if I already said this, but she said something like, "Never let anyone tell you you're past your prime," and it's mm -hmm. like love that, love yeah. that. Um, so I think was it best picture? Then it was best picture. Then it was best picture, which went to shocker, everything ever all at once. Okay, so 
this is probably the time where we talk about our feelings about this movie in general. So I, we saw this when it came out in yeah. like a year ago um, or whatever. And I really liked it at the time. I found it very fun. I found it very moving. I think the thing a lot of people latch onto is the scene with the rocks. Um, it spoke to me. It spoke to my depression. It spoke to my identity as a depressed prickly woman. <laughs> um, and yeah, I was, you know, rooting for the Daniels because I, you know, they're lovely people and I want the best for them. And I just thought it was fun. And I, I certainly didn't expect it to turn into this crazy juggernaut that it did. Now, in the intervening months, its fans have become insane. <laughs> and that is unfortunate because literally the poor Daniels have to get on Twitter every other day and tell their fans to stop bullying people in a movie about being kind. And I'm like, what? Yeah. What broke here? What has happened that, like, this is so broken? Um, and it became divisive. It became almost the, like, anti, like, elitist movie. Like, it just this weird, became weird and divisive to like it. So now I'm kind of like, I don't know, do I pull away from it? Because it's like, I did like it at the time. It's just like, well, don't let someone, something's horrible fans ruin it for you. Yeah, you can't. You can't. I will say, I love that this year's Best Picture winner is a movie about women, mm -hmm. which doesn't happen much, um, about and created by Asian people. It's about immigrants. It's about depression. And they're celebrating all of that. And like a lot of those things, the Oscars never recognize. So it's like, even my feelings about the movie aside, I love that it has all those components. And it's not a movie that anyone was asking anyone to make. Yeah. It's like, this was very much an idea cooked up by individual voices with a creative vision who have a sense of what to do with cinema and new things to do with it and that they can fold in film history and pop culture references that aren't like overly cutesy. Yeah, I mean, are... they, they stumped hard for In the Mood for Love. Yeah. Like, cause there's, there's a reference to Ratatouille that's pretty wacky. And then there's like, there's a full on In the Mood for Love homage. And an absolute story of a girl reference. Yes. Which you love to see. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so I, I think I think really post, what do I say, after Green Book for sure, it seems like the last four Oscar winners have all been not the kind of movies that would win Oscars and in different ways too. And I think that's setting an, a good, healthy trajectory for the industry to be on. Um, as much as I love prestige Oscar bait and I love prestige Oscar bait and I'll turn out like hell for every like historical, weepy, um, you know, the archetype might be a women's picture kind of thing. Um, this year, maybe she said being the example of like the archetypal, like made to be an Oscar nominee that never got nominated for an Oscar. I'll turn off those movies all day, every day. So I hope the industry keeps making them. Um, but I'm also glad that the industry has shifted in a pretty sizable way that different kinds of movies, ones that traditionally would have no hopes of being a major Oscar contender have been the best picture winners for the last few years. Yeah, for sure. Um, so those are our winners. Um, I would like to talk now about the, the music performances, the sure. best song nominees. So the first one was Tell It Like a Woman, a movie, the song I had never heard of till that moment. Um, Diane Warren. We love Diane Warren. She keeps writing songs for movies no one sees and then being surprised Pikachu when she loses. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's this woman is singing, starts singing it, and then just goes, yeah, like you said, 14 time Academy nominee, Diane Warren, and then the lights lift up and she's just playing the piano. And I was like, that's a move. Um, 
And then they like had this women's choir because it was for a movie called Tell It Like a Woman, which is yeah. like a woman's anthology. And they had like this women's choir on stage. And I'm like, are we doing damage control for the lack of female director <laughs> nominee? Like, what's going on here? Um, so, yeah, a bit of, maybe a bit of a thin soup, but, it, you know, it was fine. Um, so then there's the song for Everything Ever All at Once, which I don't remember what it was called, sadly. Um, shout out to Stephanie Shu, who lost an Oscar and immediately had to go perform on stage with David Byrne. Absolutely. Like, true pro. True pro. Um, possibly the first appearance of Hot Dog Fingers on the Oscars stage. I did think I, the song, I think, is all right. There's something about the live performance of it that was really off. And I kind of feel like it was mostly David Byrne, actually. Like, yeah. His voice did not seem on on point tonight. I liked the dancing. Yeah, yeah. I liked the just the aesthetics generally. It was like staged interestingly. But yeah, this the song's maybe a little odd. Tell Like a Woman has a dire rating on Letterboxd. Oh. I've never seen a movie below a two. What is this? This has a 1.4. That, wow. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. But this is the thing. It's like Diane Warren, you gotta aim a little higher. I'm sorry. I mean, maybe this is the best she can do, but I don't know. Um, I mean, they gave her that honorary one. They sure did. But she's never going to stop chasing the real thing. No, no, nor should she. Um, And then we had um, Natu Natu. This, from the moment that someone was like, they could perform this at the Oscars, I'm like, yes, this is what I need. This is what I want. Um, It delivered. It was a great time. They basically recreated the the scene from the movie. Pretty well, yeah. um, With down to the sets and the costumes. Um, Managed to do the suspenders. The suspenders bit. Um, I was a little bummed that they didn't have like the actual guys from the movie do it, but I'm like, you can't do that dance and sing that at the same time. You cannot. Well, but like they had, I'm trying to remember if the guys in the movie sang the I, song. Do, I, I don't know if they did. they did, yeah. I don't think they did. But they could have them doing the dance. I don't know. One of them was there at least. Yes. But you know, maybe he just wanted to like hang out and I respect that. Um, this is this dance is very fun. The song is very fun. I tried to learn this dance and I quickly realized it was gonna murder my ankles. So <laughs> I can't do it, but mad props to anyone who can. Um, so yeah, that was very fun. I feel like though, if they had really like, you know, been ballsy about it, that would have opened the show. Uh, yeah. I, I and then they just not to not to through the aisles. Wouldn't I, that have been something? We didn't talk about this with the kind of general format, but I did like the opening of the show. Yes, we had a, I do love a montage. But it was also like a montage thing for like behind the scenes stuff. Yep. But not in a way that felt like kind of didactic or like teachy. It, yes. It, it kind of like kept the momentum of a montage. Yeah. And like made it feel as exciting as seeing the actual parts of the movie. Yes, but it also didn't do the thing that's like, going to the movies is the most important yeah, thing, and the yeah. movies prop up our society, and if you don't watch movies, it's like murdering children. Yeah, it's like the movies look cool and exciting. Yeah, and it's like they've leaned a little too hard into that in some recent years, yeah. and it's like, okay, calm down. Um, so then, after Natu Natu, okay, so literally earlier this week, they're like, Lady Gaga can't perform her nominated song because she is filming. And then I guess like two days later, Gaga's like, I'm coming. (laughs) I'm starting to think Lady Gaga is like the patron saint of the Oscars, that they just like throw up a bat signal and she (laughs) shows up and she is the best thing ever. Yeah. Because we were looking back on this. So she she performed Shallow at the Oscars the year it was nominated. She just got all sexy with Bradley Cooper up on a piano and it was fantastic. But I also think like that performance and this make me think that she's more involved with how it's televised than the other nominees. Quite possible. Because they all, both of those performances looked distinctly different than how the other ones were shot. But then I was also looking up, I think it was in 2015, she just 
came out and did a Sound of Music medley for some yeah. reason, and that was amazing. So this, they clearly, I think they just threw this together really fast. So she's on, been, yeah. she's on stage in a t-shirt and ripped jeans. She introduces herself. That's oh, yeah. right. No one introduced, no one stands on the side of the stage and introduces <laughs> Lady Gaga. They just cut to her and she starts talking and she's just there. And yeah. I'm like, who, who could introduce Lady Gaga? No, nobody. Nobody. So she's there, she's in a t-shirt and jeans. Most of the performance, the camera is like up her nostrils. Yeah, it is very right close. Yeah. Um, they eventually pull out, weird phrasing, <laughs> um, they eventually like the shot gets wider and she's like, it's not acoustic obviously, yeah, but yeah. it's like, it's very stripped down. I feel like the song was in the movie and I'm like, this is kind of fine, but like it really popped in this performance. That's the big thing I noticed is like, I like wrote the song off when it was in the movie. <laughs> I was like, whatever. But here I was like, oh shit, this is like, she's bringing it. Yeah, I mean, I feel like Gaga has like had this interesting transformation in recent years where for a lot of people, the Sound of Music performance was a turning point where people were like, oh, she's not right. just kind of like this over the top kind of Madonna-esque, like wild with the outfits and the whole thing. Yeah. It's like she just is really talented and intense and passionate. And um, so it was great. Um, and it's like, yeah, she, she just swooped in to save the Oscars like she does every year not every year but like every year every year Oscars and saves it but I'm like when will she host she just she sings all the nominated songs she just you know I feel like she's too I I think she's intense a little bit but I also think she's not the presence you want in a host which is like a little easygoing a little above it all um she's the one you want swooping in like cementing the emotion of it okay new pitch okay she doesn't host but she's just there every year doing something how's that perfect i love that love that um and then finally we have lift me up which is the song from black panther wakanda forever there's like seven different people involved in the song but for all intents and purposes it was a rihanna that's apparently how you pronounce it yeah rihanna it was a rihanna performance um she's very pregnant she's glowing she's was on a podium that it quite the song is called lift me up at one point she was literally being lifted up she sure the was. podium just starts rising um I thought this was good. She was feeling her feelings. Yeah. Um, I didn't understand why the stage had like so much hay on it. D- definitely all. It was like a lot of straw. A movie that takes place in alternately the jungle and underwater. Yeah. Like we just watched this movie and I'm like, am I missing something? Yeah. Like, do we run out of props? Why all the straw? <laughs> um, it was a strange choice, but uh, Rihanna, very beautiful. The song landed for me. For sure. Um... I, yeah, so that was the performances. I thought, yeah, it was a pretty strong performance lineup. I know, like, there's definitely years where the songs get to be the drag of the Oscars, and, like, you wheel out whatever aging rocker to do their yeah. song, and you're like, all right, yeah, go get another slice of pizza, use the restroom maybe, but here I was like, I kind of want to see this. Yeah. yeah, they, like, invested. Um, I do have a minor section called Cringe Moments. Watch out. Um, I didn't think there were that many, which is actually very impressive. I was impressed too. Um, one of them for me, like it's ABC, it's Disney. They almost always do a corporate synergy moment. And this year they had Chloe Bailey and Melissa McCarthy come on stage. Wait, I think you mean Haley. You said what? Chloe Bailey. I think you mean Haley Bailey? Hallie Bailey. Okay, they're, they're sisters, and I can't remember which one is The Little Mermaid. She's Hallie, because I keep singing her name and thinking Hallie Berry. Okay. Yes. But Chloe Bailey is a person, to be clear. Really? Okay. Because, well, they're sisters. 
So you say, keep saying. They, but they are. It's like you they're be making it up. Though. They're mostly yeah. known as a sister act, even I think. So I just, well, I just forgot which one was the actual mermaid. Well, mermaid has no sister. Okay. The yes, That's she does. She's so lonely. Does she she has sister? she has many sisters. What are you talking about? I haven't seen The Little Mermaid since I was a child. Okay, so maybe sit down on the Little Mermaid lecturing Does over here. Chloe Bailey play one of the Little Mermaids. Sisters? I have no idea. Okay. The point is, whichever Bailey sister plays the Little Mermaid, Hallie and Bailey. okay, Halle Bailey and Melissa McCarthy come on stage to be like, we're introducing a clip from thing, and then it just cuts to commercial and they show a Little Mermaid trailer. Yeah. And I'm like, this was awkward. Here, what the, I think what they've done in past years is they just have a recorded version of that that they just play before the trailer. And I'm like, do not take up time on this Oscar stage yeah. for your corporate synergy. I do not care for that. Um, I We mentioned this earlier, but yeah, leave Malala out of the bits. Do bits with literally anybody else. The Little Mermaid does have sisters. Yes, what, of course. <laughs> This is not news to most people. None of whom are played by Chloe Bailey. Okay, I'm sorry. Sorry, to... what were you just talking about? Um, leave Malala out of the bits. We yeah, touched on that yeah. earlier. Um, and then, like, I... Okay, so they had John Travolta introduce the In Memoriam section. He, like, lost his wife and lost his famed co-star Olivia Newton-John in not a very long span of time. And I'm like, what's this tacky? Like, picking a distinctly bereaved man? But it's not like they, like recruited like he had a choice in the matter he had a choice but very like earnest and emotional being out there yeah but it's like was it was it like predatory i don't know i no. john travolta is high enough in the industry that he will not be predatated upon (laughs) predatated correct way to phrase that no Um, i see your point i just like I think someone thought of it because he was bereaved, and that is yucky to me. I realize he could say no, but it's yucky to me. Yeah, but you gotta, like, give the actor a little credit here, you know? I don't think Oscar presenters get paid. You know, they make a choice to be there. So, I think uh, I think he was like, yes, this feels appropriate to me. Okay. Did you have anything else you found cringy? Um, no. I, I mentioned the Malala a bit. Um, I think there were a couple other... Kimmel jokes that like rubbed me the wrong way, but I can't remember them either. I didn't note them. Um, okay, his wife actually died three years ago, but still. <laughs> who's who's disrespectful now? Oh my god, stop. Okay, continue. Um, no, nothing like too overtly troubling, I would say. Yeah. No speeches that went off the rails. Um, they did cut off some people who did not like adequately master the Indiana Jones swap of speaking. Sure, but the cutoff's inevitable. I, I'm talking more like someone who's on the podium and yeah. gave a speech that was like either going on too long or yeah. like wildly off topic or like trying to make too many things about them. Yeah. Um no. Okay. Um my next section is bits slash presenters slash memes. Okay. Just kind of like the the, the stuff that wasn't winner speeches or Kimmel, basically. Sure. Um, yeah, I do love the opening montage. Um, I love Andrew Garfield's being called out and making a very weird smile. I hope that becomes a meme. Yeah, I also like, so he was presenting Best Original Screenplay. With Florence Pugh, which I put down as a very sexually powerful duo. Absolutely. Um, and... When he announced Triangle of Sadness, it got like a little whoop from the audience, and he was like, "Hey, me too." And it's like I kind of like seeing the person. I know they're not supposed to like root for somebody, but it's always nice yeah. to get a glimpse of someone's tastes, even yeah. if I disagree with his taste. Yeah, both he and Florence Pugh were very tan, and I'm like, they are Brits. They were probably unprepared for the LA I don't sun. Know what you're saying that Florence Pugh was always looks like that. Okay, he does not. He does not. Yeah, he got a little roasted. Yeah. Something happened there. Um, 
So there was a donkey. There was a donkey. There was a donkey. So I was over in the kitchen getting water and Scott just goes, donkey. And I run into the room and I'm like, thank you so much for telling me that. This is very important. Um, you get to know your wife after 15 <laughs> years, turns out. I was thrilled. I was the donkey stressed out. I hope not. I hope the donkey <laughs> was having a great time, but I'm always going to be excited about an animal moment. And Colin Farrell looked equally delighted. Colin Farrell's so delighted. Yeah. Um, I later learned not the real Jenny the donkey. I do feel betrayed. I am sorry. I know, but I, that was very exciting because you don't expect a donkey, and then there was a donkey. No. Um, strangely great presenting pair of Paul Dano and Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Yeah. That was that was a great combo for some reason. Yeah, him going, and Paul Dano. Yeah. <laughs> After her talking, like, kind of, because her bit seemed like the joke of it, where she's like, they always get the most glamorously dressed woman to present best costume design. Yeah, which, like, she was like, like, I liked her dress, but, like, she's not the one you think of as, like, the most glamorously dressed person to even begin with. So I'm like, okay, that's a joke. And then he goes, and Paul Dana. <laughs> yeah. It's like an even funnier twist on it. So. He seems fun. Yeah. He seems fun. He did an episode of Hot Ones where he is just, like, just the weirdest but most delightful energy. Yeah. Because he was, like, clearly suffering from the hot sauce, but not in a really over-the-top way. He would just be like, ooh, that one's a little hot. <laughs> and it's just, like, he's so delightful. Um, so I love that combo. Um, they had a four weddings and a funeral reunion. They brought out Andy McDowell and Hugh Grant to present together. Like, I couldn't tell if he was doing that bit fresh, because she seemed just caught off guard enough <laughs> that, like, it didn't seem rehearsed. But she also had, like, a response to that. Because he was like, first of all, and then he like went into this whole thing about like her looking amazing, him looking like a scrotum, which is delightful. Well, yeah, he was like, our this combo is like shows you the power of using moisturizer yeah. because she looks amazing and I look like a scrotum. Yeah. yeah, and she seemed like caught of guard by that in a way that made me think it was for real. But I, I don't know. There was that profile of Goldie Hawn this week in Vanity mm-hmm. Fair where she talked about um, presenting with Kurt Russell mm-hmm. in like 1989 and him making a joke about them not being married. And so many people coming up to her and thinking that was for real. It's like, no, we rehearsed in the shower that morning. So like, yeah. that made me think like, there's all these moments that seem spontaneous to me at the Oscars that very well might not be. Which is like, I loved that article, by the way, because that was such like a, a sexy humble brag that they came up with in the shower. <laughs> that like, they're showering together on Oscar morning and coming up with great comedic bits. Oh like, yeah. All right. Very sexy humble brag. Yeah. Um, yeah, so this was maybe divisive. Elizabeth Banks and a guy in a bear suit. It was stupid, and I liked it. Okay, so here's my <laughs> thing about Elizabeth Banks and the guy in the bear suit. I, I think it would have worked. I don't know if she was, like, sick or something. She was getting over she something. She was looking rough. She was getting over something. And, like, I think the bit would have worked if it didn't look like she was also coming off a cocaine bender. <laughs> um, well. So... It was a good idea, but it seemed like she was so committed to seeing it through that it came across a little desperate because she was sure. clearly getting over something. Yeah, but it's, like, not her fault. Well, no, but, like... And it's, like, you can't have someone else do that bit. It won't make any sense. Um, you don't think you could get away with one of the stars of Cocaine Bear doing it? On that short of note, like, Carrie Russell is not going to be standing next to a man in a bear suit. <laughs> like, just, let's, just, let's be real. Ideologically? <laughs> no, I'm just saying, like, think about it. No, I know. Like, who else? There's going to be someone in that movie who's reasonably famous who you could pull on to do that. Margot Martindale? Yeah. Okay. Her, uh, uh, uh... But they have to talk about the importance... Oh, Aaron Reich. They have to talk about the importance of visual effects. Yeah, and they just be like, my co-star would have been this doof in a suit okay, instead fine. of a CGI bear. I just... As soon as she started speaking, I was like, I don't know if they're going to pull this off. Okay, okay. I mean, I like the pantomimes 
there was doing. Yeah. Whoever was in the suit was doing a good job. I, I did like that it was the callback when he came out later. I didn't like that he lunged at Malala. Again, leave Malala alone. Um, and then at the, at the very end, like literally after Kimmel walked off stage, they had like a, a sign hung backstage that said like number of Oscar telecasts without incident. Yeah. And he flipped it to one. I liked that. That's a good um, Any other bits or presenter combos or anything that you want to comment um, on? No. Not as many bits. There weren't a lot of bits, no. And I think like... Part of the problem of the Oscars like losing some cultural cachet is they stop getting big stars to do the categories. And so you get a lot of younger people who feel like they need to stick more to the script. What are you talking about? They got The Rock. They got Margot Robbie. Like, who do you need to hear that you don't like? We're getting we're getting names. So uh, I did like Margot Robbie and Morgan Freeman. They felt like a little looser. Mm-hmm. And it's not like these people aren't names, but like The Rock is the most like desperate to stay on point guy <laughs> around. Like his whole promotion of Black Adam is like yeah. so like desperate to be in control. Mm-hmm. And like sometimes the pleasure of the older. Um, older generations presenting, which you can see in past Oscar uh, telecasts, is that they would be a little looser and it'd be a little more fun and a little bit more freeform because they don't feel like they have to like give the best version of themselves. They already know they're a star and they can like do whatever. And that's why like the Hugh Grant, Andy McDowell thing was able to happen because like well, Hugh Grant's got nothing to prove. And even if he did, no, he's rich. He can just lay back for a couple of years while people recover from his scrotum joke. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like the younger presenters aren't willing to take those kinds of chances with the, their spotlight. I will say, I think Ariana DeBose was, was going with the flow. Uh, she was. And I, pre- I like that she was reacting genuinely to uh, the speeches and having an emotional reaction. I was like a little uncomfortable that like, Troy Kotzer kept like putting his hand on her every time he like stopped doing the signs. And like, I don't know, it was just kind of weird energy. Um, but I was trying to think of other presenters that really stood out as a pair. Um, but kind of coming up. Did you not take notes? I thought you had notes. I did have some notes, but I, I should have taken more notes on the specifics of the dual presenter. If presenter. only you had my complex outline yeah, structure. God, God willing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we talked about Andrew Garfield. Um, who else was there? Was it like Emily Blunt? Who was she with? With The Rock. Yeah, because they were in Jungle Cruise. <laughs> Who could forget? Who could forget? I didn't forget. It's, and you didn't even see the movie. I did. Yes. Um, that's a strange pairing to capitalize on, but I guess there's the byproduct of being a Disney show. And and like we said, we love seeing Dwayne Johnson next to a tiny woman. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, that we talked about um, Salma Hayek and Antonio Banderas, classic pair. Yeah, that was a good pair. They were able to stay a little loose. Yeah. Um, Harrison Ford presenting Best Picture um, for the second time, telling Steven Spielberg he lost Best Picture. Um, but here, so the last time it seemed like an accident because it seemed like they brought about two percent Best Picture to Saving Private Ryan, and it ended up going to Shakespeare in Love. Here, you, it could go either way. Either he's giving it to Steven Spielberg or he's giving it to Kiyu Kwan. Yeah. Um, so there's like some like flexibility there. Sure. Um, yeah, it's always. I always like seeing who they bring out for for best picture. It's usually like the biggest star they could get. Yeah, um, and rightly so. Yeah, um, Janelle Monae presented VFX, I think, with, with Kate Hudson. Kate Hudson, that was a good pair. Glass Onion moment. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's the kind of presenter slate that reminds people of star power, but also doesn't cement like the legacy of the Academy Awards mm-hmm. and. 
I feel like that's that's the only thing that the Oscars are missing. They're still bringing these. Well, they did. Power. We didn't mention this. They did do a Warner Brothers hundredth anniversary montage, which was semi successful. Okay. Uh, there was a lot of what some terms stolen valor in there, um, with like presenting MGM movies, which they bought when MGM went bankrupt yeah. in the eighties, and um, even stuff like the Lord of the Rings, which they owned, but which New Line really produced and really like saw through production. Um, but Warner's owns a new line. Right, but it was technically distributed by a new line. Like, I don't think you saw the Warner Brothers logo at the start of the Lord of the Rings movies. But they own New Line. They own it. They own the MGM library, too. But it doesn't, like, to me, yeah. it just doesn't count the same. Okay. Um, nevertheless, I, I do like, of all, like, the studio catalogs, I probably have the most, like, nostalgic fondness for the Warner Brothers catalog. Because I think when we were growing up, they were really good about putting it out there. Sure. And they still are the best studio, maybe aside from Disney, about reminding people of their legacy. Um, but resultantly, I have a lot of fondness for their Yeah. Catalog. There was also, um, to capitalize on the, the recent success of Creed Three, or as some people call it, Threed, um, they oh, had yeah. uh, Michael B. Jordan and Jonathan Majors. A little stiff, maybe? That was surprisingly stiff. Yeah. Because like the interviews I've read with them recently are like very enthusiastic and chill and um, very personable. But here, they, yeah, they felt a little out of place. Because, I, I, th- I mean, Jonathan Majors, I think, is still pretty new to, like, Hollywood, right? Yeah, for sure. So I, it's like, you know, it's it's a lot. I get it. But Michael B. Jordan, like, dude's had his place cemented since Creed, which was, like, eight years ago or something? I mean, since Fruitvale Station. But that's that wasn't a Hollywood movie. That was I guess. New. If he had presented at the Oscars that year, he'd still be, like, the outside force. Sure. But he's been, like... Maybe not a star star, but I think a significant presence in the industry for a while now. Um, yeah, so that's kind of... Oh, Halle Berry was there to present uh, Best Actress. Oh, yeah, so that's because they obviously could not get Will Smith yeah. back because he's banned for the next 10 years. So it was like, yeah, who are we going to get to replace him? And yeah, Halle Berry seemed like a good choice. I mean, yeah. more time to look at that stunning dress. Oh, yeah. But as you said, it's like some, they set up these gambits sometimes where yeah. they want... They specifically want one person to hand the award to another person, and it doesn't always work, and it's super awkward when it doesn't. Um, but then when it works, it's great. And I think here, like you said, they were trying to maybe draw a link between like first openly Asian winner and like first, was she the first black winner for lead, right? Halle yes. Berry? So trying to maybe kind of like- Black winner for lead actress. Yes, sorry. Sydney Poitier. Right, so like, probably trying to get a little of that going yeah. and it did pay off yeah for sure so yeah um she was with jessica chastain so that was good yeah i just scrolled through the list of presenters no one else would post anything to me okay um and then i just have kind of a miscellany section sure. just weird random thoughts and vibes um maybe this i mean obviously context clues matter here but it always cracks me up when people will be like and to my family who's up there somewhere and i'm like <laughs> you need to be more specific Which, uh, yeah. if you mean it's the balcony or heaven yeah. <laughs> like Sometimes it's very unclear. I'm like, okay, are they alive or dead? Like, you gotta say, heaven, balcony, pick yeah. one. Um, after Lenny Kravitz finished the In Memoriam segment, someone audibly shouted, thanks, Lenny, yeah. which was pretty funny. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you have any other just like bits and bobs floating around here? Yeah, um, I, I don't like, so last year they had a new camera setup for uh, the like speech cam when people are doing mm, their like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, speeches after winning an award and they're like it made kind of sense because the stage was stupidly on the floor um, but here they kept the camera set up 
but they were still like above the audience. And so like, I mean- Not I, enough headroom, right? Not enough headroom. And like, I, I found the angle awkward last year and it seemed even more awkward this the year. The framing. The framing was, was weird. weird. And doubly so when you'd get like the wide shots and you see the stage in relation to the audience. And like the camera was like clearly like blocking several people's view of the stage. Yeah. Cause it was just like this gigantic obelisk in the middle of the auditorium. And I'm sure in the past, they just like a long zoom shot from like the sound booth at the back of uh, the Dolby or is it still the Dolby theater? I think so. Yeah. Uh, I didn't, didn't have got bought by crypto.com or whatever. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> And so, like, they just need to bring the camera back there. Like, it's fine. We don't need to be, like, straight up in these people's faces. Like, yeah, just that, do the big zoom. I was complaining a little bit about the framing because I'm like, we either need the shot to be tighter or larger. Like, I yeah. it's I don't like this framing. Yeah, it's, it's um, weird. It was awkward. It's clearly intrusive in the auditorium. And, like, yeah. you wouldn't, you know, when we were growing up, Jack Nicholson was always right there in the front row. You wouldn't put a camera in front of Jack Nicholson's view at the You stage. wouldn't dare. Who are they blocking this year? Probably someone, you know, maybe not Jack Nicholson levels, but someone who should be able to see a clean view of the stage. What if they're blocking Angela Bassett's view? Like, imagine the disrespect. Such disrespect. Also, I don't, I, this was like a developing story as we were watching. So Angela Bassett was sitting next to Austin Butler. I don't think this was by design. I think this just kind of happened because they're both, you know, acting nominees. Yeah. I think they were best friends by the end of the night. I know. You love to see that, that little, little bits of bombing. Because you, um, when they were showing his caddy, he was clutching. I know. He and Angela Bassett were clutching hands. <laughs> and I'm like, I love this. Angela Bassett is all of our mothers. And I love it. Yeah. Do they, did they know each other before this moment? I have no idea. I just, I love it. No idea. Um, the only note I had is that sometimes the sound from the people who are presenting from the size of the stage... It was like picking up feedback. Or it like was a little dodgy. Or something like yeah. that. I noticed it with Kira Delevingne yeah. and John Travolta both. Yes. It was like they're like broadcasting from inside a like wind tunnel or something was going yeah. on. Yeah. Really weird mic setup or some kind. Yeah. Um, but other than that, I mean, like we said, it's like return to form for the yeah. Oscars for me anyway. Um, brought back like the magic of movies without constantly being like the magic of movies guys yeah because some past telecasts it would drive me they would tell you how to think or feel yeah they would either like excessively explain like sound design for like it seemed like an hour and i'm like i think okay if you're watching the oscars i think you have a sense of what sound like come on let's move along um which isn't to say like don't disrespect sound design but it's like we know what it is we know it's important. Right. Just like show it, you know, um, or just yeah, telling us how to feel about movies. It's yeah. like we're watching. You yeah. got us. Want like you have a captive audience of people who clearly care. So yeah, yeah. there was uh, I think several moments of like celebrating being back in theaters. Yeah, but not in like a pedantic things. way. No, I would say not for the most part. Um, I, I think it was, but that you could tell like the audience was like really reacting to those moments. Yes. Um, and I think those things maybe a couple of years ago might have gone over a little rougher, but I think in the wake of all this kind of like streaming backlash, frankly, from like financial institutions yes. of like finally pointing out that this isn't a very sound business model. Yeah. Um, and I've always made the case that I don't think it's a sound cultural model either. Um, but I, I, I hope that there's a return to a classical structure for movie exhibition that allows them to be a little bit better known and better recognized. Yeah. And I also just think it's like for so many years now, they've been fighting the speeches and it's like, no, the speeches are the thing. Yeah, totally. 
And they they played a couple people off when they didn't successfully do the Indiana Jones swap, but for the most part, they kind of let people ride. Yeah. And it's like, that's the good shit. That's the that is actually the good yeah. shit. And it's like, what bit or nonsense could you possibly have that would be better than like Ki Hui Kwan, like just feeling his feelings? Yeah. What could you possibly have that's better? And it's just like, they just let that happen. And I'm like, thank God. Yeah. Thank God. Embracing the people and the live aspect of it. And yeah. the things that you can't control. That's why. That aren't can. slap, slap focused. <laughs> sure. Yes. yes. Yeah. But yeah, it's it stopped. It felt like it wasn't fighting itself. Yeah, which last year was like constantly fighting itself. Yeah. Yeah. And even the year before a little bit because it was like the pandemic year and it was weird, but they were also like trying to short. They were not trying to shorten it. No. And it only went like a half hour longer, if yeah. that. Uh, it actually went more than that, I think. It was almost Maybe. 240 or 340. Yeah, but that's not that much longer than like a lot of the years where they were like doing stringent cost yeah, cutler, yeah. like time cutting measures. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I thought it was a pretty good show. Great, as did I. Yeah, uh, like we're pretty, we're pretty happy over here. I would, I have not delved too far into the online reactions. I have no I'm idea, sure are we outliers here? Yeah, we could be facing some backlash here for our, okay, well, our outsider views. I mean, we are just here living our truth and you can take it or leave it, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Is there anything else to talk about? No, I think this is good. I mean, baby's first Oscar recaps. What, like, uh, what should the Oscars do next year? Now that they've kind of like reset. Okay. What's the next step of like uh, advancing the ship, as it were? Okay. I mean, you have my. I feel like we've mentioned a lot of options here. You have my vote for permanent Gaga. <laughs> sure. There should just be a, 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 a Gaga, Gaga section se segment every year that's set aside at like. The 215 mark. I mean, obviously. Yeah. Like, think of the audience for this show. Like, sure, it yeah. makes sense. Um, Permanent Gaga. I think, yeah, they're on a good track. I think, like you said, maybe some more, like, classic stars would be nice yeah. who can get a little looser with it. Um, I I mean, a lot of the things, it's maybe not new ideas. It's maybe just, like, yeah, like, don't et chop up the acting clips or whatever. It's just, like, yeah. kind of course correcting. But, yeah, I don't know. You're putting me on the spot. What, what do you got? You got anything? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I would say I think I agree with you that a more dynamic host could be good. Mm -hmm. um, less of, like, a safe choice and more someone who can, like, advance the ship in some way and bring, I don't know. I mean, in some, like, I didn't watch the Golden Clubs this year, but um, was it Jared Carmichael who yeah. hosted? Yeah. I read some notices that he was, like, a very different kind of award show host. Very spicy. Very spicy. But not in, like, a Ricky Gervais kind of yucky way. Right. But it was almost like some of the reactions I heard were, like, he was, like, too vulnerable about, like, the process. Well, he said we got paid. He said we got paid and just, like, a little still confrontational about the whole thing. I think mm -hmm. there still should still be some showmanship to it. And some still like trying to put on a good evening for everybody. Yes. Um, and people who like, oh, this is my other big thing. Right. We need more gay men hosting because <laughs> no one loves the Oscars more than gay men. Let Billy Eichner up there. Like let Billy Eichner up there. Let Billy Porter up there. Just any gay man named Billy, apparently. Like just, I, I mean, they had, I think, Neil Patrick Harris do it. And he was like, whatever. Yeah, he was fine. He was fine. But I'm just like, we need I would love people who have seen all these movies. Yeah, for sure. I would love people who've seen all these movies who could name, like, every Best Supporting Actress winner, like, who love it. Who would have watched them if they hadn't been hosting anyway. Because yes. the hosts do watch all the, at least the main nominees. Um, to know what they're talking about. To know about. what they're talking about. Yeah. Um, but who would have sought them out no matter what. Do you have a dream host? 
I always try to think of that, and I'm not exactly sure. Um, I do feel like I would. They've slotted her into bits. I would love to see Maya Rudolph just have a go with the whole thing. Yeah, I, I don't. Know or is she, she too I, wacky? I don't know if she has a distinct enough persona to carry it through. Okay. You know, I, I think she's a good sketch comedian, improv comedian because sure. she can like fall into a character. Yeah. And that's why she's a good presenter. She can fall into like a certain kind of like celebrity archetype that sure. is well suited. I mean, honestly, like I know this is because he presented this year, but I think Hugh Grant would like kind of be a good host. He can be like a little disarming, a little charming, not to make it about himself. I think he would just shit on everything. You think? Yeah. I think I don't, I don't see that as much. No, I, I I think he's he has a genuine love for like the industry. Okay. Um. So I'm gonna say I'm gonna say that's that's my pick. That doesn't make any sense. Okay. Um, <laughs> I did think of another bit from not bit but uh, another aspect of the show that was interesting was uh, when the Daniels won Best Picture. Uh, uh, now I can't remember Daniel Kwan is the name. That is one of the Daniels. Yes. Well, that's who I'm talking about. Okay. Um. He, one of his last remarks was talking about the difficulty of movies keeping up with culture when it takes years to make them. Yeah. And we were talking about, like, there are speeches going on and, like, having to think of new things to say each time. And that's, like, him clearly, like, running out of main things to talk about. Right. But at the same time, like, that's an important thing to talk about. There's also a strange note to end the broadcast on of, like, saying, like, we're clearly facing a big challenge in how we interact with our culture, but I think we can do it. Um... So I, I hope movies like Everything Everywhere getting made and continuing to get made will point the way towards uh, that kind of industry that can keep up and start to lead the culture again. Yeah. Um, and I hope the Oscars can too. Um, it, I think that is a little less clear in how they can do that. But um, I'm also not as tapped into like the comedy world where there's probably a stand comedian who can take the reins of the show in a, an active way too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think continuing to focus less on like yeah, magic and movies bits, um, fewer yeah like setup kind of bits. I, I think they should probably cut any audience interaction bit. Um, unless people are in on it, maybe. Unless people are in on it, yeah. Yeah. Because I feel like everyone's tried to recreate like the selfie moment ever since that. And but that didn't require anyone to improv, you yeah. know. So that's different. I, yeah, I, I just feel like they've never come across successfully in the years since that everyone's tried to do something like that. Yeah. Um, and definitely continuing to focus on the speeches. Definitely keeping all the categories in. Yep. And yeah, um, I think they've got a good template for regaining. Yep. Not the majesty that the Oscars were in the '90s, but definitely a little, at least the respect. Sure. I take that. Sweet. Um, yeah, we did it. We gave people a taste of the pure uncut Scott and Julie experience. I hope I hope they liked it. They better have. They better. It's all they're getting, so yeah. they better deal with it. Well, Julie, thank you so much for joining me. Of course. I live here, so it was an easy <laughs> commute. Um, but yeah, no, this was fun. I have been geeking out on the Oscars for years, and it's glad to... I'm glad to have an audience for my geekery, I suppose. Absolutely. Well, that's that's the joy of podcasting is you can force an audience to engage with your geekery. You can forcibly take over someone else's podcast yeah. and submit them to your ramblings. Yeah. Perfect template, a parasitic um, takeover. Uh, usually we end this hang or end the show with like a we'll get you next time, but I think next week David and Tyler are doing an episode, so I don't think I'll be on there. 
Um, listeners may be breathing a sigh of relief at that. I, you know, they're the main host. They're, we'll see. You should yeah. be engaging with them anyway. Yeah. Um, but then I'm guessing I'll be back a couple weeks after that. And I'm sure we'll bring back Julie before long because uh, mm-hmm. I certainly can't get enough of her. There's a reason hey. I her. Hey. Bits and jabbing aside. Yes. Always lovely to have you on the show. Of course. Very fun. I, I did. I, I, I tried to get a podcast going with you even before we got together. Wait, what? Did you? Don't you remember this? When uh, we first started like watching movies on a weekly basis because your boyfriend at the time was not into movies and you're like, here's, here's a friend who like actually likes watching movies. So we, yeah. Once a week we would hang out and watch some classic movie we hadn't seen. And I was getting into podcasts and like, we should do a podcast about the movies we're watching. I'm like, that's ridiculous. No one wants to listen to us. And I'm, I'm glad uh, that you have come around. So like in an alternate, in a multiverse, as it yeah. were, we are Battleship Pretension. It's quite Because that's the same, around the same era. I think I had already started listening to them by then. Actually, no, it would have been very close. Yeah. It started in 2007. And yeah, I didn't start listening to them until like late 2008. And so I wouldn't have been inspired by them. So yeah, yeah, we very well could have sunk their their battleship from the start. What? Oh, <laughs> pretty proud of that, are you? Well, yeah, proud. Okay. Um, yeah. Well, where can people find you online, Scott? Oh, right. That question. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, on Twitter at Rail of Tomorrow and on Letterbox. Julie, what about you? Me. Um, I am on Twitter at Sesno underscore says. That's S E S N O underscore S A Y S. Um, I don't tweet much, but I'll. I'll retweet things. I'll give you a like. You know, it happens. Um, well, yeah, this was fun. And uh, we will hopefully both be back on here before long. So. Absolutely. Like I said, we personally will not get you next time. But the show in general, the spirit of the we'll get you next time is the live. Okay, you're over. Ex- let's just say let's get you next time because you're over explaining it. Now it's weird. I feel like it's a bad promise, though. That oh, my I God. Say we'll get you next okay, time. Okay, how about so you say we'll get you in the future? We'll get you in the future. Bye. Bye.